1: What's happening, weirdos? Uh, here we are with another Ramcast. I recorded this while I was in uh, Maui for the Ram Das uh, retreat, and David Nickturn was one of the first people I met that really blew my mind. You heard uh, David with uh, Krishnadas a couple episodes, a couple Ramcasts ago. But David is such an amazing and profound guy. I was like, we got to sit down again and talk again. And I'm so glad we did uh, because we had this amazing, as I've referenced in uh, these episodes, we had this amazing, really fast, friends, instant bond conversation. We had like a three-hour conversation, one lunch, and we didn't even know each other. I was like, we got to try and hit some of those points because he was really blowing my mind. So we sat down. We didn't have the exact same conversation, but we did hit some of them because I wanted you guys to be able to hear this. Uh, so this is David Nicktern, He is amazing. Uh, he's, a, he's a songwriter. He's a composer. He's a soundtrack artist. He's a Buddhist teacher. And he's also just an incredible person. So check out his music. Uh, he plays with Krishnadas. He plays, uh, he plays by himself. And uh, I hope you enjoy this very, very much. As you know, we're closing in on the 300th episode. So if you have questions for me that you would like me to answer while I'm drinking, (laughs) me, uh, Brent James Sullivan, and Valerie are going to get to the studio and answer your emails. The email address is youmadeitweird at gmail.com and uh, that'll be a lot of fun. People are already sending in a ton, and we'll try and get to as many as we can because I think it's going to be really, really fun. So uh, in the meantime, no ad here. Go to petehomes.com for any uh, T-shirts you might uh, desire, etc. Uh, but nothing nothing to plug. Just enjoy the wonderful David Nickturn. Get into it. Well, let's start, let's start with the obvious. It was, such a, it was such a wonderful show last night, and we didn't really talk about you as a musician in the first... In our first conversation, mm-hmm. and there, and there, first of all, maybe we should start by saying we just had a, a little breakfast with with Ramdas, with Valerie, and you. And what is uh, the woman's name? Dasima. It was such a blur.
0: Yeah, she's, she's his um, attendant. You know, yeah. care, caretaker. She really put herself out there. For her and, yeah, for and really performed a really valuable service. Yeah, no, I, I can to see everybody. That. You know. She takes care of some of the challenging stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, we got to do that. I'm with you. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm just remembering it myself.
0: Well, how, what was it
1: like to, to meet Ramdas? What was it like for you? Well, I met him last night, uh, briefly. Uh, Ragu uh, introduced us, and it was amazing. It was one of those things... We've been talking about this a lot, you and I, is this idea of experiences and, and sensations. Mm-hmm. So I had an experience mm. and a sensation. Mm. And the first time you and I were talking, I kept asking you something I'd like to explore here too, is, and then what? <laughs> we kept going like so. Yeah. But forget the and then what for now, is I had an experience and just had another experience that didn't disappoint. But it's funny, your brain is involved in that and it's going, boy, I hope I hope Ram Ramdas isn't... Uh, aloof, or a jerk, or something like that. Right. And when he's not, you'd get high.
0: You the know. bubble pop.
1: Yeah, you don't want the bubble to pop. Yeah. Being See, in...
0: we Buddhists, we like to pop the bubble. Is that right? Well, That's the role we play. You like popping bubbles? Yeah, we're the bubble poppers. Tell me about that. Yeah.
1: Because I do feel like I'm living in a... Like my fear of going to India, or meeting gurus, or whatever mm. it is. Mm. I'm worried that... I think I maybe said this last time we spoke on the podcast. I'm worried about you know not meeting your heroes about having somebody uh, having it be disappointing
0: i've had that in music a lot yeah in my music career i've met a lot of the people who i would have previously thought of as an idol or and i've even worked with some of those people like stevie wonder played on a track of mine
1: oh no way yeah what was that like well stevie wonder played on a track of yours mm -hmm,
0: get out of my hotel room
1: (laughs) that's amazing Um, well and was it not amazing that was amazing the fact that it wasn't amazing. No, it, <laughs> oh, it was.
0: That well, he? I had occasion to to do a couple of different things with him, and he was somebody I viewed as a magical being. Yeah, you know, uh, a really, really gifted, um, and he is a magical being. Yeah, and um, so we. I was, um, you know, I wrote that song uh, "Midnight at the Oasis" for Maria Muldaur, which is. It was a very big hit at the time, in uh-huh. about 75. And then um, we made another album, which I produced, and then we, we had another song that I wrote for Maria that we thought, well, who would play on this perfectly? And was Stevie Wonder in our minds. Mm. So in the realm of synchronicity, I think she bumped into him on an airplane. No way. And he loved
2: uh,
0: that, that Midnight at the Oasis song and the solo, guitar solo on that, which was played by Amos Garrett. And so then we sent him an invitation to play on her record. And we sent three songs and he said, I'll play on that one, which is my song. No so way. So I was producing.
1: Well, Stevie thank you.
0: No, I was already producing her record. Yeah. But I'm in the studio with one of my idols and I'm producing him doing an Overdub. Yeah. And um, that was, that had a lot of magic and mojo to it because my son was two years old at the time. And I have a picture of him sitting on Stevie Wonder's lap like with his mouth open, like he's singing. Oh my gosh. My son Ethan. And then um, he gave Ethan his harmonica. And what? then he played us, after the session, he played us the entire album of songs in the Key of Life. Wow. Which it, it wasn't even released yet. <laughs> <laughs> so that was one of those moments... That's not a bubble popping. That's realizing a bubble is... Gold. That was a Clayton. good bubble. You know how you chew those bubbles and you chew gum and then the yeah. bubble comes out? That was a yeah. big bubble and it came out and... Um, and it didn't pop. It, it, did, was, it was beautiful. It didn't pop. And um, I would say then that's the best one. And then other ones, I had a band with Jerry Garcia for a while. You did? Yep. And back in... Um, when I was living in California... And it was called the Great American Music Band. I was playing with this guy, David Grisman, who was a great mandolin player. And we had a sort of side band. We opened up a Grateful Dead concert with that band. No way. You know, 100,000 people in the stadium. <laughs> and Jerry played banjo in that band. And I played guitar. And that was just a kind of time and place kind of vibe. The Grateful Dead were a time and place that was completely uh, unreproducible. Unre- yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, you know, I, over the years I've met other and worked with other people who I would have considered real heroes, musical heroes. And then the other part is, are they just a musical hero and what are they like as a human being or mm. kind of spiritual uh, contact? So all kinds of variations on on that. But, I, you
1: know, not not to force a, a spiritual thing. I'm interested in how these people will often be who we project on them to be.
0: But unless they're... Even they... They are who we project them to be, or they are not, and therefore that's the bubble popping.
1: Well, yeah, either one will happen. Sometimes, it's kind of like if you're quiet, if you're silent, people might just be like, oh, that David guy, we were talking about your quality to disappear <laughs> on Well, stage. or be
0: invisible. Be
1: invisible, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Very different.
0: Well, they're related. No, they're, re-
1: they're in the same family. Yeah. But if you are quiet, people can either be like, this guy is uh, mysterious, or... Somebody else might say he's he's scary or something, Mm -hmm. Um, but then if you meet a a big personality like one of these magical musicians, they'll probably impose to a point where you see who they really are.
0: Well, and well, that's a very interesting comment because this is kind of a lifelong study. Part of it is narcissism, you know, just to really understand the roots of that, Mm. and also manifesting, you know, when somebody really manifests in their life and they they have the glitter, they should. Be outshining with it, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, How much of that is artifice, and how much of it is, um, you could say, wishful thinking or formulate, you know. So the most powerful influence in my life is not the music; it's my Dharma teacher, Trungpa Rinpoche. Well, that
1: see, okay, that
0: is a hierarchy there of experience.
1: So Stevie Wonder and Jerry Garcia aside. Let's tell the story. Well,
0: it was great. It was all happening at the same time. That, <laughs> if you want to look at my life, this is all like some kind of festival that was uh, uh, you know, unbelievably interwoven. The David Festival. Well, I don't call it that. I call it <laughs> Dharma and music. And, you know, I teach a workshop sometimes. I have one up online uh, on creativelive.com called Creativity, Spirituality, and Making a Buck. Mm. So I'm interested in the weaving.
1: Well, were you following interwoven? your path? Were you doing what you should have been doing and therefore was the universe... Or life kind of expressing itself back to you because you were doing and you were where you were supposed to be, you were following
0: your calling. I'm interested in that I idea. believe I'm where I'm supposed to be right now.
1: There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so that's, the, that's the, the law.
1: Wherever you are is where you're supposed to be? Is that what you're saying? Well, you could say that. I
0: mean, people have said that, but you could also kind of f- struggle with it or not. So I would say they further along I go, the less I struggle with the notion of that there's some appropriateness to whatever, you know, and then that appropriateness in, in, in Tibetan, there's a word called tendril, which means auspicious coincidence, not just regular coincidence, but it no, would they translate work. well to synchronicity. Uh-huh. You know, things are happening but are they... in sync. So wherever you are, you're there you're supposed yes, to buckaroo be. Buckaroo Banzai, if you know that one. What's that? He said, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah,
1: wherever you go, there you are. But is there something to be said for, as I'll call it, David Palooza?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: you're in this place. Yeah. And, and there, I know that feeling. I've had that I'm having that feeling. Where the world starts to... I'm not talking about no conflict and no suffering. I was suffering yesterday. Um, As recently as yesterday. As recently (laughs) as yesterday. Today is good. (laughs) I'll let you know how the rest (laughs) of the day goes. But, you know, after our podcast, I had a bit of a... We can talk about that. I actually already talked about it with Raghu and Duncan. But it kind of depressed me for some unknown reason. Mm -hmm. Um, We can talk about that later. Mm -hmm. But they're still suffering. But at the same time, I see... Like the um, petals on a flower, sometimes the world opens up and it feels very much, feels a little bit sexual. It feels like you're merging with your path. And I know that feeling. Talk about meeting Stevie Wonder on a plane. Is there something to be said for when you listen to the inscription on your heart, not to sound too hallmark here, but the stuff that's in your bones to do for you, music, for you, art and creativity. It took you to your guru. It took you to Stevie Wonder. It took you... It's taken me everywhere. But I guess my question more specifically is, were you honoring it? Can you honor it more or less?
0: Well, I'll I'll throw this one at you. You can see because part of this is just a dialogue between you and me. Yeah, of course. Maybe other people are listening in. That's, uh,
1: that's what I want to do. That's good.
0: Yeah. But I, I call it, uh, there's a certain level of electricity in ordinary life. I call that 110. 110. You know, like coming out of the wall here. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah. It's just sort of ordinary level, just awareness, the buzzing, the kind of like, oh, look at that pretty water there, I think I'll go for a swim later, mm-hmm. I'm getting hungry, that's all 110. But there's another kind of quality of awareness. You see that little gecko on the on the railing there? That little lizard on the railing? I'm looking. You're leaning a little bit to the left. See him? He just, now he's Oh, walking. I see him, yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh, it looks like the end
1: of The Departed. <laughs>
0: he's right to at the top with the rat at the end that looks just like that okay it's the there, Hawaiian departed there's sort of moments of heightened awareness yeah. mm-hmm. which is I think which is what tendril really means it's like as if all of a sudden there's a feeling of kind of you could say elevated awareness which comes with synchronicity
2: mm-hmm.
0: so people everybody I think has some recognition of this like if they meet somebody then they fall in love like probably when you met Valerie there's a little bit of a buzzing feeling mm-hmm. so I call that 220 220. That was a 220 moment.
1: You're a great man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I want to meet people that have terms for things like that. Yeah, so well, you got
1: a 220.
0: Well, I'm a framer. Yeah. It's beautiful. I I care less about the picture than the frame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, so the 220 is a sort of heightened... It, people experience it almost as a kind of buzz mm. or high or elevated thing it might it might even have a physical component to it of Mm -hmm. of feeling energized in a certain way so just had a 220 sorry to interrupt but with ramdas
1: exactly meeting sitting with ramdas i hate to be such i feel like i'm watching the beatles in the 60s but i'm like oh he's looking at me that's crazy it would be like going to the ed sullivan theater and having john lennon look at you or something or whatever so yeah i just had a 220
0: And also then there was just that moment that opened up where you could come and sit and talk and you kind of know. Well, that so, was that so, knowing is not a conceptual thing; it's
1: outside of the realm of concepts. Well, that was the serendipity. It's a mild serendipity. People like serendipities that are like, and I opened the door, and there was my father. I hadn't seen him in thirty. Years. You know, that's a good serendipity. This was <laughs> a good. more subtle one. Yeah. In that, Valerie and I are sitting at the, at the table. I look over and see that there's two empty seats at Ramdas's table, and you. Mm-hmm. So I know you. I've met Ramdas, but I want Valerie to meet right. Ramdas if right. she'd right. like. So as I'm saying, do you want to meet Ramdas? She says, I'm so nervous. Yeah. That's when you turn around. Yeah, it and it felt it felt like we were underwater and we pushed a, a wave. At, you know, when you p- p- sure. splash a wave at someone underwater, <laughs> like it almost like you right. felt that and you and then you turned. Yeah, I know that sounds very hippy dippy
0: because it is. <laughs> well, from a certain point of view, two twenty is more real than one ten. Mm. That's the twist. Mm. That's the fundamental flip. You think one ten is real and all those things, but two twenty is like dissolves one ten. It includes it. Yeah. So this is another way of looking at it. We call it the absolute and the relative level mm. of perceptions. And um, The absolute but, level is, is not supported by causes and conditions. It's said to be unconditional. It just is so. Mm. There's a lot of words for this in a lot of traditions. The suchness, the you know, things as they are. And it includes the relative level of just going like, you know, I'm feeling a little bit blue today. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's in 220. That's involved. It's, it, it, 220 doesn't ignore 110. It's,
1: yeah, of course. How could it? Yeah. It's the first part of it. Yeah, so. But people that have near death experiences. They're 220, and, that's a 220. Experience. They're a 220, and yeah. what they always say if you read a, a book, or in my case, listen to a book. I'm <laughs> often,
0: more often listening <laughs> I'm to a book. If that's going to change yeah. <laughs> the English language. Yeah, I listened to a book
1: the other day. Yeah, no, that's oh, how. Oh, I heard people. that one too. <laughs> you're going to have to read all your books. You're going <laughs> to be in a studio again. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that they say, I was in a place, I died. And I was in a place mm. That felt more real People that mm-hmm, take mm-hmm. Um, acid will say It felt more real sure. than this um, And that's very interesting But it also includes Maybe on some level I'm hungry To me it's always like when Jesus talks about The birds of the air You know, He's like look at the birds of the air And they don't worry about where their next meal is I say that to myself Jesus oh. said that? Yeah
0: Gee willikers man that's heavy Is that a good one? Well, I mean, you think of it... No, I know it's a good one, but it's for you. (laughs) Well, it's so pure. uh, In a way, it's more yogic than a lot of what people recite. That's right. The Christian thing, which is like, you should do this, you shouldn't do that. Absolutely. But it has that sort of like... Pure.
1: When you're just not worried about your 110, you get into the 220. And I've had experience, as silly as this sounds, I've been at concerts and been like, where am I going to pee? And I'll just think to myself... Birds of the air, man. Just relax. Birds of the air. (laughs) Next thing I know, I'm backstage and I'm peeing in someone's green room. You know what I mean? In in the toilet. (laughs) But you know what I'm saying? And that's a a good punchline to an anecdote. But really, it's just... It could have gone the other way. I
0: could have just... Well, it is a form of going with the flow, wouldn't you
1: say?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It absolutely was
1: going with the... I was going with the flow and then I got to flow and it was wonderful. But okay, yeah, that does sound... uh, People throw around Zen and I'm one of those people. But it sounds very...
0: Well, you have to consider at least the possibility. There's some actual experience behind all this uh, armada of verbiage and, and descriptive uh, and and fascination and, and mm. intoxication and fixation on all these things. But it is what we uh, what what we would call in the, in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition the pith, the essence is that experience, is some aspect of experience is being communicated directly from one person to another. Mm. And that's what, we, remember, we talked yesterday about transmission.
1: Yeah, and and since you've said that, I've heard three or four other people talking about transmission. Oh, is that right? Granted, we're at a spiritual retreat, but people keep talking about it. the odds are up it.
0: on it, but still, it's not a word that um, is thrown around all that. I've much. only
1: heard it in terms of cars. I'm not even trying to be, <laughs> to be
0: funny. <laughs> well, you, but there is this thing, how, and, and do you mean
1: in the Jesus story and the Buddha stories there's something to it is that what you're saying
0: well for example Buddha who was a great teacher if if nothing else you can't ignore the fact that stuff he said 2500 years ago people are like babbling on about it here at this retreat yeah I mean do you think anybody's going to be repeating what we're saying 2500 years ago let alone who we were or where we lived or anything. yeah 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 so there's a certain force there and <clears throat> We've even of,
1: seen that with Valerie, who's 26. And you mentioned, we were talking about Tintin comics. Yeah. And even
0: that, not that the... That Tintin might dissolve Tintin might dissolve. That's what I'm saying. Now, yeah.
1: Like, everything's kind of going.
0: Now we're in yeah. some Buddhist territory. Yeah. The
1: world is on fire,
0: right? Yeah. And, and eventually, <laughs> people would say, even the teachings of this particular Buddha, 2,500 years ago, we would enter another age, and it would, they would not be known. Yeah. So there's, even in Tibet, there's a previous Buddha, that some of the Bun... Practitioners, they relate to a different Buddha mm-hmm. from a different era. So we, we build a longer sense of time, you know. We have a mm-hmm. short sense of time here, you know. Mm-hmm. When I'm going to Japan, they have Buddhas that are a thousand years old. Mm. America's not a thousand years old. Right. You they know, got mean, new Let Buddhas. alone any statue that we Yeah, have. yeah, yeah. So, um, but, you know, this idea of transmission, which is what we're, what we're talking about, there's some essential dimension of experience. That's being communicated from one person to another, mm. and it's basically not the conceptual part. As you, what did you say about knowledge and wisdom earlier? Well, I was talking—I was quoting Ramdas to
1: Ramdas. Very <laughs> surreal. <laughs> I was talking about how we're obsessed with uh, knowledge, not wisdom, right. and we were talking, and you were graciously talking about how in comedy and in my comedy sometimes these kind of concepts come up, mm-hmm. and that always was after the fact, and I, I am proud of
2: that—that
1: mm-hmm. uh, that those things were kind of imprinted in me somewhere. Yeah. The value of like You can know All these facts But then you meet One person that seems wise And you're like Oh now we're at some Now we're 220 You right. know what I mean Now we're getting somewhere
0: Well comedy Which is as, as you know Like One of my Favorite I like funny and Yeah yeah, I yeah Like people are funny I like to be funny I Are you like friends to, with Christopher Guest Life, Lifelong friends uh, we, we were born Two weeks apart Oh my goodness And our My mother introduced His parents to each other so you know Christopher
1: Guess's mother. Since zero. Who got a spinal tap when he was delivered. <laughs> Is that true? I have to assume she got an epidural. I don't think that's a spinal tap. It's tape. not the same thing? No, an epidural, it goes into the spine. But yeah.
0: That's hilarious, though. So. I guess I've always I mean, thought an epidural was a type of spinal tap. Maybe I'm, it is. I'm stupid. You, you could be right. Maybe no, we should no. ask Valerie. Is that true? <laughs> She's our <laughs> resident Is it considered
2: a spinal tap? Yeah.
0: yeah. an epidural? I mean, it goes in your spine. I don't know what... I guess I don't know what a spinal tap
1: is. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what spine, we're all I think learning. spinal tap is more painful somehow. Just, yeah, I know. It, it sounds bad.
2: We should yeah. watch... This is
0: Spinal Tap. We should watch the actual documentary on what is Spinal Tap. What is a Spinal Tap. The prequel to This is Spinal Tap is what is Spinal Tap. What the hell is Spinal Tap? (laughs) Yeah, so funny people, if they're not working shtick and really you can feel that edge of desperation of like, and they're telling the same joke again Mm -hmm. and and they're kind of like caught in a way in a loop. Mm -hmm. But if they're just being funny, the, mm-hmm. the people that I've hung out with and really probably a certain amount of those through, through my friendship and, and long term uh, relationship with Chris because I've hung out with some of his gang uh, over the years there's a form of spontaneity that's being exercised, mm-hmm. now spontaneity is an interesting thing because you've got to go to ground zero where you go, I don't know what's going to happen next here,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and I would say one of the qualities of brilliant people and funny people is speed of mind mm-hmm. it can go from zero to like there and it's like, how the hell did you get there so fast? Right, that I'm yeah. not trying to force
1: this. That seems birds of the air. It seems like a going to a zero. Right.
0: Who said if you if your power
1: is zero, you're invincible or something? It's wow. I think it was Gandhi. If you set yourself to zero, you're invincible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it and there is something again. I'm using the commercial Zen, mm-hmm. but there's something um, minimalistic to say improv right. or what we talked about off mic. That sort of. When you were hanging out with Spinal Tap, and you're seeing the way that they yes-and each other, and and there's a thing in improv called A to C, which is you say A, and you might say um, ketchup, so I might think French fries, right? Right. That's Uh A to B, but improvisers try to A to C, you go... A, okay, B is French fries. C is mayonnaise, because European people dip them
0: in mayonnaise. Right. So then I do a riff about mayonnaise. Right. That sounds In which you allow the mind to just kind of leap.
1: You're leaping. Yeah. There's a lot of leaping. Yeah. We, uh,
0: they were talk- and you're leaping into the unknown.
1: That's right. So it takes a certain amount of courage. And it takes courage, and there's mystery, and that's what seems right. birds of the air about it, where it's like, let's not worry. Right. I just did an improv set for the first in a long time in New York, and backstage, there was no... It was me and two other people. There was no, like, all right, let's remember to listen. Right. Let's remember to get each other's backs. We were just backstage being really, really silly yeah. to try and go out
0: and continue to play. And that does yeah. feel... One of the kind like of painful like. things for me as an audience right. who, who loves to laugh so much Yeah, is to know that this elixir exists because I've seen people do it. Yeah, And it's very similar to musicians' Improvising. Yeah. It's just like out of the blue. And it's like because, and now we're out of the blue and we're in sync out of the blue. So we're yeah. both surfing outside of the wake, but we're like in sync. So that's yeah. a fabulous thing is to know that that exists and then to see how little of that gets through yeah. to an audience that would, I think, would love it if they could see that pure kind of jamming. You
1: know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because
0: it always gets like, oh, we got to make it this way or that way. But occasionally when people do do it, Everybody falls in love. But
1: this is what happens, and this is what keeps happening, again, with spirituality and everything. Everything gets ruined. One of my big passions is I go... So (laughs) That's a good title. (laughs) (laughs) Everything gets ruined. Well,
0: there's a Zen title. Everything's broken.
1: Everything's broken. Yeah. But you're talking about something very familiar. I can Mm. tell you Mm. about transcendent, wonderful... How did you know when I went out and Mm -hmm. I was going to be the dad from two scenes ago? Mm -hmm. We do this great improv, and everybody is redeemed, right? Literally, the audience is washed clean, and everybody was there, and everybody—no one was thinking about what they had to do after that. It was a very present thing, a beautiful thing. And then you see ninety percent of improv. I'm making that up. I'm I'm not trying to shit on improv. Ninety-nine percent of stand-up. Is horseshit. It's so bad. And everyone knows the real thing. It's yeah. the por- it's pornography versus making love. Mm-hmm, and if you've mm-hmm. been made love to, you don't want mm-hmm. fake tits and a leather bodice mm-hmm. and someone to fake it. And as soon as they yell, cut, she stops coming. You know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's what happens in my house. That's not supposed to happen. <laughs>
1: That's not supposed to happen. You're not doing it right. But so this is what happens with your Buddha and mm-hmm. uh, and I should say our Buddha and wow. our Christ and our even mm-hmm. our... And that's my concern with the maharaji we keep talking about. I'm like I don't
0: want everything to get Well, done. now here's here's where we come to the bubble popping. Yeah. Because this is you got to know what train you rode in on in mm. terms of lineage and so my
1: We were just talking th- this morning about spiritual lineage.
0: Yeah, that's an um, important topic. Because, well, I've never heard it this oh, is the second see. time. I see. Well, like
1: where you're coming from and where you're kind of intended to go and what's going to speak
0: to you, is that what it means? I don't know about the intended to go part. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll pause on that for a <laughs> minute. But where you come from is an important thing mm. on every level. Mm. Because if you're, now, if you're operating in a completely free, unfettered way, maybe it's less important where you came from. Mm-hmm. But most of us have so many causes and conditions that brought us to be who we are, moving forward in this world, and to understand those is to understand yourself better, hmm. right? So your family lineage, like you, you've told me a certain amount about your family, I could tell you mm-hmm. about my family. Mm-hmm. You go, oh, I get this, I get it, you know. Mm-hmm. You know more about the person. So in terms of spiritual lineage, there's a sense of like, for example, in Tibetan Buddhist tradition and in the Buddhist classical Buddhist tradition, it's very important, and it's not so much that you have like been verified or, uh, um, you know, um, confirmed mm-hmm. in some way. It's more that there's a root to the tree that you're on. You may be a branch, but you understand the roots of it. Hmm. So I can name, for example, my teacher was Trungpa Rinpoche, Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. He was the 11th Trungpa Thulgu from Tibet. Hmm. Before that, there was a lineage of teachers going back to, that you can cite going back to about the 10th century direct line. You Mm. you can name every teacher in that line. Mm. Each one of them and their stories are alive. You Mm. can learn about how they handle the same kind of data that we're working with right now. Mm. Suffering, confusion, trying to get somewhere. I'm going to interject.
1: Stay right where you are. That's one of the things with comedy when I was in like I'd be in Fargo or something uh, and I'd go I don't know what I'm gonna tell the I'm going to a technical school. I gotta do a noon it's called a noon or a noon show right. for an air conditioning repair college, because mm-hmm. that's where I'm at. And you'd be, you know, this is this is fifteen years ago, but it was, you know, and it was a big deal that I had a job. Yeah. But I'm going and I'm like
0: <laughs> not a job as an air conditioning repair. Yeah,
1: uh, that's exactly it's, right. The obvious
0: alternative. That's there, exactly
1: right. right. It's either this or that. But I, I remember driving in, and the listeners have heard me say this before probably, but I would say, I don't know what to say to them. And then I go, oh, what does everyone have in common? And I would always go, uh, oh, everyone everyone dies. <laughs> I go, yeah. everyone dies. I, to put it well, in these terms, a everyone,
0: joke. everyone suffers. Yeah, but everyone dies is even even <laughs> more profound in a way. Right. Although the two things you just talked about, like in Buddhism, there's three marks of existence. That, you know, There's a lot of codified knowledge that's called the Dharma. Mm. And it's a way of structuring information that's ori- oriented around like what the heck is really the t- going on in a sort of deeper level. Mm-hmm. So two of them, you just said two of them. Impermanence is one. Mm-hmm. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Everything changes. Yep. Everything's being in, in a state of transformation and change. And the other is that because of the way that it's held together... There's a suffering. That's right. This is an actual fact of what now. This is misunderstood about Buddhism. It's a it's a description of conditioned existence. It's like existence that the way we're living it is marked by suffering because we're holding on, mm. because we're ignoring impermanence, mm. basically. And
1: then the freedom is in. Okay, so just to bring it back to comedy. So I would go because I think you'll like it. Okay. I would go. I'm going to open with that how I'm afraid that there's a killer in the backseat of my car when I'm driving alone at night right. and that, that, that I'm going to die. But really I'm saying, hey, I'm afraid I'm going to die. You can't open with that. Right. Or you can't open with have you ever been driving and been afraid and everyone's oh, laughing Right. and we're all unified and, and, and in that moment. And it might be a fraction of a fraction of a second, but everybody is feeling that solidarity and that relief that we're like, oh, we are looking at our impermanence just for a moment. Right.
0: Well, you're bringing up something that, strikes me as a really essential part of comedy, and you said it earlier, it's a way of getting at some kind of truth. Yeah. Poignancy. Yeah. You know, which is like, like for example, uh, Waiting for Guffman, you know, Chris's movie, mm-hmm. that, that is such a beautiful little film, I think. I do too. And And in that, the poignancy of those people in that small town... Acting like they're going to get an Academy Award or something like yeah, that yeah. immediately reflects on okay. Now take the big stars; it's the same. It's the same. It's sort of like if only if I only had this, then I'd be happy. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's the part of if only <laughs> if if only we
1: we've been ta- sorry, but we've been talking about that. I told you that Duncan and I have been joking that we want uh, Ramdas to come up and say, "You're the only one here that gets us." You know what <laughs> I mean? Like. I, I see what you're doing, yeah. and I, I even want you to do it, and I want everyone to do it. I want it to go your special, but that's waiting for Guthman. What a great title! I'm waiting for, for the Ram Dass. Gu- I'm waiting for Ramdas. I'm <laughs> waiting <laughs> I'm waiting to be reviewed. Sure, I'm waiting for someone to say what you did. You found the magic, right. and right. you brought it to the stage, and you did it.
0: Well, and we talked about the baby in the bathwater. I yeah. believe there's a baby in there. Mm. There's some kind of caring, you know. There's some kind of passion. Yeah. Uh, The bathwater is the obsession. The bathwater
1: is the suffering of. Please, please, please. It's really
0: obsession. Yeah. That's. I mean, I. You know, the word in in Sanskrit that they use is dukkha for suffering. It's a kind of a feeling that things are a little off. Great Green Day album.
1: (laughs) It's a stupid joke. What is it? I said Great Green Day album. (laughs) Duka. Their big album was Dookie. That's the one that. Oh, Dookie. (laughs) (laughs) That's the one that broke them. That Uh, one's for the thirty-six-year-olds listening.
0: but I, I, this thread of can comedy it has a it has a split in the road, which is one is look. I just need you to laugh. I mean, it's just like I'm desperate here. That's right. And you've seen a lot. I'm sure a lot of people in your environment. They're just like um, there's a certain despair behind it that you that you, you know. You're
1: saying it, man. That's what people hate, and you feel it. My ex father-in-law told me, "You're not." Where did he get this? He wasn't a comedian. He wasn't an artist. He was a photographer, but. He wasn't in public speaking, and he was like... He said to me out of the blue, he goes, when you get on stage, don't try to make them laugh. Invite them
0: to laugh at what you're laughing at. Isn't that... Well, and what is it you're laughing at? There's some element of truth in what that's you're right. laughing at, or irony. That's right. Because of, like, for example, here's an irony, and that's why Waiting for Government is funny. We're just regular people. That's right. And, and we have this kind of larger bubble around us, and actually, in the absence of the bubble, you feel much better That's right. so that's why I said the Buddhist approach is not creating another spiritual bubble mm. it's popping whatever bubble you can find
1: so my concern of India is going to let me down or one of these devotees is going to let me down or some story is going to be proven to be false you're just like don't
0: have the bubble I'll quote Trungpa Rinpoche please okay. enlightenment is ego's final disappointment <laughs> Enlightenment is ego. I'm writing it down. Enlightenment. Tell me what that means to you. What it means is what we're talking about is that any bubble uh, or conditioned or created kind of sense of well-being, you're better off without it. You're better off without it. So the Buddha takes you that far and then says, you go the rest of the way yourself.
2: Hmm. You can
0: do it. It's not about now stay hitched to me in a satellite or nurturing relationship. There's maybe... um, There's some nurturing because people need to be magnetized and enriched and so forth. But at the end of the day, it's more like acknowledging... Like, for example, in the Tantric Buddhist tradition, here's an analogy that's given. The guru... And you can put this in perspective and what we're talking about here is another aspect of of the thing. What my teacher says, the guru takes you up in a jet plane. Shows you how to fly the plane. There's one parachute in the plane. He takes it, and jumps out. <laughs> now you're flying the jet. <laughs> yeah, it's a very different take than that. Somebody's going to take care of you forever. Yeah. Right. That's the Buddhist inter is the one that's a I see. Vajrayana Buddhism. Whereas these guys, what is this? No, called? no, I'm not going to comment on anybody else's no. tradition. But the There's one another I... aspect where the guru is really an aspect of your own mind. Yeah, uh, an inner quality to it. There's another aspect of the guru. There's the whole phenomenal world around you. Is, yeah. is is the teacher, you know. But once you are working with a specific teacher, um, it's not so much that they're going to make life easier for you. They're going to reflect back to you what you need to be dealing with and working on.
1: That, well, that's something we've been talking about, you and I off mic was the idea that you get what you needed out of the per out of the, the, the same guru two people. They might yeah, have completely prismatic. different expenses.
0: Prismatic is the word. Yeah, prismatic, and they say the guru's mirror-like. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that uh, you know, it's reflective kind of service, and I think that was true with my my teacher and other great Tibetan masters I've seen. It's almost like you're looking at a mirror, and in the mirror you see the beauty and you see the warts. Yeah, you see both. I got to say, it wasn't a profound like time didn't stop or
1: anything. But when I was talking to Ramdas, I felt myself just now. I felt myself. And I had to rein it in. I was like, "I'm doing it. I'm doing what I always do, which is I'm throwing the mud at the person, so the, I can at the mirror at the mirror, so I can go, so I can yeah. make an outline of me in mud and go there. Yeah. I am. <laughs> Will you comment on what I've uh, decided yeah. is is me?
0: And it's like I'm sure it's a necessary step. Yeah, and I also could venture to say that Ramdas, from my point of view, whatever I know, is in a different state of time right, already. You know, he's in almost that kind of suspended it. And he's the guy who wrote the book Be Here Now. Yeah. Let's face it. (laughs) Yeah. He wrote that. Yeah, yeah, Everybody else has gone dingle, dingle, dingle along the way. Right. So, you know, it's like he who smelt it dealt it. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) He wrote that book. So I think that's his, um, so when you, and, and all of my teachers, you see, that's what they all have in common. They're kind of in... A very strong two hundred mm. and twenty, nounness. Two hundred and twenty and nounness are the same thing, basically. And I wasn't going di- to. I felt that
1: I wasn't going to disrupt him. You know what I mean? I, so it's undisruptible.
0: Yeah, it cannot be disrupted.
1: Is that so? Tell me about your uh, your guru, whose name I can't say. Is okay, that the well, first it's a lesson? Tibetan name.
0: <laughs> it's Chugyam. Chugyam, Trungpa, Trungpa Rinpoche. Rinpoche is a title that a lot of Tibetan teachers. Have. And that's why we have them all the way back to the tenth century. Yeah, there's a whole, and the original cycle of them was that um, it was the really first and maybe last and only, I I don't know last, but first place in which reincarnation of a kind of high teacher Hmm. was acknowledged in a specific form. What does that mean? In other words, this teacher is considered to be the reincarnation of the previous one. So the 11th Trungpa is considered to be literally the reincarnation of the 10th one. It's not exactly the same guy. Kind of subtler than that, but yeah. it's a continuity, of, and there's different types of continuity. Sometimes it can be thought of as it's, it's really the same being.
1: But it, it, does this mean we're saying which of these brushes is yours, that sort of stuff?
0: Yeah, that stuff. For example, <laughs> my, my teacher... I love that it's that
1: stuff. It's yeah. one of the most interesting things. I saw the <laughs> Unmistaken Child right. documentary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which they show a young child yeah. who's believed to be the reincarnated llama of yeah. something. Which one of these is you? Which one of these brushes? Yeah. And he gets four out of four. And it's a documentary made by a non-spiritual group. They're just like we're just documenting this. Yeah. And I watch a kid get four out of four items out of a, a whole array. So that's how. Trunk Why is. are we all talking about this? Well, it, well <laughs> the whole world, I mean.
0: Well, we are, in, in our own way. Okay. So, uh, but Trungpa Rinpoche would have been one of those people. As a young child, he was recognized. To be the incarnation of the previous, the tenth Trungpa. Mm-hmm. So he was brought to the monastery. First, they tested him, and, and um, just like that, they would give, they'd show a mala from the previous one, or, mm. uh, maybe some ritual ornaments and so forth. So, from however you get there, from the age of two, the die is cast. That's his gig. He's two. Two. It has to have gone
1: sideways. In, maybe not your teacher, but some monastery. It has gone sideways.
0: It has, and, and I've had some guy that just sucks.
2: <laughs> There's guys that
0: suck. There's guys that are confused by it. There's guys that work through that. Yeah. It 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 became because and I was just talking to Lama Suryadas about this because we come from the same type of tradition. Mm. So it it um, it um, became a cultural norm. However, whatever you think about it, it was. Of since probably maybe i 'm um, going to say around twelfth century a d hmm. that way of transmitting lineage became normal in Tibet, so each teacher is considered the reincarnation Now the Dalai Lama, who everybody knows his Holiness, the Dalai Lama, is the fourteenth Dalai Lama. Hmm. And the Karmapa, who is you know the head of a different school of Tibetan Buddhism, is the 17th. So, dumb question, Yeah, but I like dumb questions. Yeah, good. I like them too. <laughs>
1: so, yeah. I, that's actually a big thing from his point. Yeah. I'm going to say I don't know what that word means. Cause, yeah. Cause no, but, you know, the, it's not a word. It's So, the Dalai Lama is the 14th. Mm-hmm. That means he underwent those tests. He was like, are these kind of retro glasses yours? And he's like, yes, they are. I'll wear them the rest of my life.
2: <laughs> well,
0: the question <laughs> that you're implying also is how, how is this going to go forward into the future? Yeah yeah once the tibet was a bubble a very magical mm. a unique bubble but it got popped and that's what happens bubbles get popped
2: mm-hmm. so
0: if you go oh i wish we were there again that's not really you're not really being a good buddhist hmm. nostalgia and buddhism are not the same thing
1: like me even saying when i hear about go- ragu going to india right. in 1970 and just going like, oh, that sounds amazing. But now they all have iPhones and they're watching Friends with Hindi subtitles. I'm like, fuck, man, I missed it. <laughs> but the point is, is they're all missed, or is that it?
0: Not all missed. You can you can get on the bus at a number of different stations. You know. So <laughs> the point is, what is the bus? Identifying the bus correctly. Now, a lot of people now, like I I I mentor, I teach a lot of young students about uh, Buddhism. You mm-hmm. know, and it's just. Um, it's actually become, I've always balanced between music, like what you th- saw me doing, playing guitar with KD, and producing records say? and have my own labels and so forth, yeah. and producing music for television and films and composing, and, what, and playing yeah. guitar, all those things. That's one part of my life. This other part is this engagement with the Buddhist teachings. And right now it says probably two-thirds that and one-third the other thing. Mm. And it could tip. It just It's a kind of navigational thing. I hear that. But right now, for example, I'm going to, through a complete, what we've talked about, synchronicity, I'm going to Japan five times in 2016 to teach Buddhism in Japan. I'm a Jewish guy from New York. I'm going to teach Buddhism (laughs) in Japan. And when I get there, there's a great group of Japanese bluegrass musicians that I play in clubs with. No way. So you go figure what century this is. I'm telling you, it's the 21st century. And the 14th century is not applicable to the 21st century. Yeah. The wisdom of it is, but yeah, yeah, not, yeah. not the you know, daily thing. So I think the kind of conversations we're having, um, I'll, I'll, I'll share a thought from earlier which is that I'm not sure that guru thing is going to be the way people get transmission in the future.
1: I just wrote down the word guru because I was like, we yeah. need to get back to gurus because I wanted to take you back to your guru. But this is very close to my heart. And yeah. everybody that's listened, I'm going to release all of these kind of in one week. And anybody that's listening in order has already heard me yearning for my bus stop. Right. We're all looking for our bus stop. right? And when we hear about these magical people, uh, we're kind of like, my very basic but honest human reaction is like, great, another thing I missed out on. I told you about when I, with Katie... What's your generation called? I don't even know. Is there a name for it? I'm 36. I can't tell if I'm X or Y or... Okay. It might be... I don't know. I want to
0: ask Valley. They talk about millennials. How old are those? Millennials are a little bit... I think Valerie is a millennial. Okay, so like early to mid-20s? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So your generation, I... Mentor a lot of people your age. My son is your age, he's mm. 37, and he's like a very well known Buddhist teacher. Ethan Nick Turn, he's got three books out. He's probably a lot of people know him him better than me. I see. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, you're Ethan (laughs) Nick Turn's dad. (laughs) But the question is, what that comes from them is like, well, where's my guru? Where's my. And and part of it is these uh, people, you know, in these kind of retreats are referring back a generation, and talking about this magical mystery tour. And that was part of the wonder of the 60s and 70s. It's part of the neurosis, too. What do you mean? You get trapped in time. Mm. you got to keep moving. I was just talking
1: to, what is the name of the lovely woman, I think she's going to do it, who wrote Love Everyone? Her name is... It doesn't... I'll have her on the podcast, and i will do it. But anyway, she was talking about this, this issue, and I was like, uh-huh. I never got to meet Maharaji... And she's like, well, I got to meet him, and then he died, and the grief of that. So talking about even her struggle with being
0: stuck right. with missing that time. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Well, there's a there's a funny... Uh, again, if you go back to the teachings themselves, you know, there's the teachings and there's the carriers of the teachings. Mm. So like in Buddhism, there's the teacher, there's the teachings itself, and then there's a community around it called the Sangha. So that's called the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. Mm. Three, three jewels, it's called. So... Those are the precious things. Those are the valuable things. So, there's people who come in more through the teachings themselves. There's people who, like in my day, like a lot of people just went right for Trungpa Rinpoche the way they go for Maharaji. Mm. There was something about him that was completely compelling. It was like I want to be there. I mean, if I I'll, I could tell you my story of how I I'd like to hooked up with him, but but it it was very intuitive. Mm-hmm. You know. Then there's the people who come in more through the theoretical dimension of it, and then there's community. So. I'm not sure that the coming iteration is not going to be... I think the community is going to be supremely important. It's funny that you say that, because Duncan was like... He's like,
1: I don't know about Maharaji, man. I don't know if he brought a bird back to life. Who could believe that? Everyone's on drugs. Yeah. But he's like... <laughs> but then he's like I, and that's the value of the comedian in a nutshell right yeah, there. Yeah. It's like, finally, you know, someone's saying so, this sort of stuff. It's so gesture, fun. Yeah. Exactly. It's right. really fun. But he's like, what I do know... Is that uh, I love hanging out with the people that hung out with him.
0: There you go. So that's that, what you're saying. That's sangha. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but I think it's going to even become more like uh, societal in terms of some of these sort of qualities being infused in the way we hang out together, how how we uh, live, and, and and that can you see a group of people can hold transmission. It's sort of it's it's um, it's there's something that Gurdjieff called the fourth way. Hmm. Which is sort of whatever needs to happen rises, whatever container needs to be there it 's not permanent hmm. it 's just a, like that 's what needs to happen now, and I think the guru worshiping thing is not necessarily the right container for a lot of people these days
1: well that 's what we were that 's what we bonded over the first time we spoke, mm-hmm. which i I've, as i 've joked with you i 've told everybody about this magical, effortless three hour conversation we had. Mm-hmm. Where I didn't know was three hours until Val- Valerie told me, mm. um, and it was really important to me, but we were talking about my concern with guru worship, because as soon as you... Ha- this sounds like a Buddhist thing coming through me, but as soon as you have the thing, the thing can be shattered. It can, it can fall over and break, and it can be tipped, and it can be criticized. And The more stories that we compile, as much as I love reading them... The more we can be like, well, this one's horseshit. This guy was an alcoholic, and he yeah. wasn't even really there, or whatever it was. That's right. Then in a, in five hundred years, people might be like, who knows what's happened? All the yeah. documents are gone, or whatever, and people are like, that never happened, and it's right. all baloney. You're kind of ahead of it, trying to be like, let's not hold
0: on to it now. Well, if you look at the mind that's creating all of that, you mean my mind? Anybody's. Just that you created a kind of a, a realm of. Thought and counterpoint you could you create a composition just then yeah right it had a theme the theme is a guru it had evidence yeah evidence it had theme you know uh, counterpoints it yeah. had harmony yeah you know and the, the the Buddhist way if there is such a thing is to allow that to occur but not to obsess or fixate on the reality of that formation mm. so this the flip side is to disown it let it go flick we talked about flicking it let's talk about flicking that was so great flicking
1: was good we were at this table (laughs) and you you had all these condiments and we were talking about I guess we were talking about attachment and you used every condiment I used every condiment you had a salt and pepper analogy which you kind of already (laughs) we talked a little bit that was head and heart and then you were bringing out the jelly and I (laughs) and I was like uh, well, this is... you. I forget what the jelly was, but it was a specific desire of mine. Passion, yeah. 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 And you were like, it's not don't participate with it, yeah. but don't hold on to it either. And you right. you literally flicked the jelly right between Valerie and I, like field goal posts. <laughs> yes.
2: It's a very good shot. I know you're an NFL
1: guy. It's running on So it went between us. And then we started getting into topics that were we were saying harder to flick it's like it's yeah, the, you hard want, to flick you want to hold
0: on to that one it's a title <laughs> it's hard, hard to, to flick, flick. Yeah, yeah yeah well sure and what are they those are things that are in, in all these traditions called kleshas in Sanskrit or obstructions or obstacles or obscurations actually more literally that's what blocks you from being in, in the
2: 220
0: mm. you know.
1: this is where my own urge comes to be like oh I should just live in a cave or something it's like if I could just get rid of everybody <laughs> everything that I love <laughs> let's face it many of the great <laughs>
0: teachers have done exactly just that. that Maharaji did that Trungpa Rinpoche's teacher say Rinpoche spent 15 years in a cave mm. now, I teach meditation teacher training workshops I say okay it's three weekends what if the requirement was 15 years in a cave? Hmm. The room's empty, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's gone. That's what makes it a cave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there are people in there. It's not a good cave. Uh,
0: yeah, so the question is, is, is that the answer?
1: Is it the answer? Well, that brings me to my question. In but there's even a better a, question. What is that? Is that the answer for you?
0: I don't think so.
2: Okay. So, <laughs> okay. You have your answers,
0: so... You can take that question that answer and just roll, push them out into the sea. Yeah. And why obsess on something you're not even considering doing for real? It's funny. I that's think, just another way of you torturing yourself, basically. Yeah, I guess so. I like
1: I like being the connecting thing. If you have two pathways in your brain, I like being the thing that's connecting the two things. Me so, too. I'm an evangelical. Right. I'm the hub of the wheel, and the, and the, or I'm a spoke in the wheel. You're a diplomat. Uh, yeah, I'm a diplomat. I get turned on by things and then I go tell people about them and they're like, I knew about that. And I'm like, well, why didn't you tell me?
0: <laughs> Most people who are diplomats, their father and their mother didn't get along. Oh yeah. No, that's I'm when I'm diplomat. Me, that's me. Yeah. It's like, can't we just, uh, can, he, can, I didn't, you know, I'm yeah. sorry if you turned to Jerry Lewis with yeah. your own parents. You yeah. Know yeah.
1: Know yeah, yeah. I mean? Well, we talked about that a little bit without being too specific for myself with every time I would find even Tony Robbins, even Tony Robbins. I know like, who he is. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. I just mean who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, I would get turned on my dad I was like this guy's talking about uh, positive thinking or eating, yeah. eating right or whatever it was right. and I would tell everybody about that and then I would find out about uh, veganism or I'd find out about mm-hmm. Maharaji or I'd find out about meditation mm-hmm. when I first do it, started doing TM I called my mom and I was like mom I know you're going to be turned off by the, the Sanskrit but just say just close your eyes and say Jesus over and over and over that's, mm-hmm. that's your boy close your eyes and say Jesus yeah. and she, she wouldn't do it you know, uh I think she does it now
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> because she found somebody that wasn't that didn't have any uh gold framed uh, right. blue gods to right. teach it to her um, <laughs> but i but then we talked about that surrender it's like <clears throat> what do you we talked about it quite intimately that idea that you can't bring everybody everything you can't bring anybody anything also <laughs> right
0: well it I think our ongoing conversation is a baby in a bathwater conversation, yeah take the best part of it and maybe shed or disown the part that's just simply repetitive. And what what part is repetitive? The repetitive part is like, for example, should I be in a cave or should I be in the world? Mm-hmm. And now, you say, how, much, how much time did you just spend obsessing on that? Go meditate for the 20 minutes that you were thinking about that. Yeah. And you're in the cave for 20 minutes. <laughs> that's the best part of the cave is the cave is everywhere. Yeah. The cave principle, like... Rinpoche used to talk about principles. You hmm. teach from principles. So the cave principle is doing twenty minutes of meditation practice a day. Hmm. It's doing a weekend retreat. Hmm. It's doing something every year maybe a week long retreat.
1: This is the Christian thing. When I was a kid, I was like, You're telling me that heaven and hell are real things, that we go to one or the other. And I used to say this. I was I was like twelve years old and I'd be like, So why aren't we all pastors? If that's true, yeah. why aren't we all that was the cave? Why aren't we all starting churches? Why aren't we all evangelizing? Fundamentally, uh, ultimately, rather, I came to my own conclusion that I was like, I think a lot of these people don't actually <laughs> believe it. It's too it's too big of a thing to believe. Some of them do, mm. I would say, unfortunately.
0: <laughs> well, and then you take the question, you're a big thinker, so you think in terms of larger topics. But if you personalize the question, it, change, it morphs the question in a good way. Why don't I become <laughs> Should I? Yeah. Is that, is that the right answer for me? Yeah. And then have a good contemplation on it. And if you come to the answer, well, you know, I'm not really that kind of person. Karmically, I'm not you know, really drawn to that. I like the world. I like worldly things. Then you can find teachings that are for people like you. So, yeah. for example, the, the lineage that spawned from Trungpa Rinpoche's work here in the West was called Shambhala. And it, it takes its origin story from a kind of mythical kingdom in Asia, Central Asia. Some people say it's a real place. Some people say it exists now. Some people say it existed in the past in a particular place. Some people view it as a metaphoric kind of uh, mythological kind of thing. Sounds familiar. <laughs> but Shambhala represents kind of cultivating virtue and good qualities in a human being and then therefore radiating them out and cultivating good qualities in society. Mm-hmm. It actually believes in, in, that it's possible to have an enlightened society. Mm-hmm. so there's not as big a reason to want to retreat from that and go off into some pure, it is a pure realm in itself already. That sounds like the third jewel, the, the community thing. It has a lot to do with with community. Yeah. Yeah. And so the question is, in the origin story, the Buddha traveled to Shambhala, right, and the king of Shambhala said, he was like a guy like you, he said, you know, I, I like this stuff, Buddha, you know, and all these things, but... I'm not sure I'm a renunciate because the Buddha came with his entourage and they were all monks and some probably some nuns too, and um, maybe not some nuns, but yeah. let's <laughs> say let's say there were nuns. Uh, and when the king asked him that question, he said, "I do have teachings for you guys, but they're not um, appropriate for my monastics." So he asked the monastics to leave. Oh my goodness! And then he gave a what's considered a sort of very high tantric type of teaching, which is how to engage the world, be people like us, be a comedian, be a musician, yeah. be a king, be a plumber, be a, but from a more enlightened perspective. I can't, that's an amazing story. And if you like to, that, there's a great book called Shambhala, the Sacred Path of the Warrior, which is by Chogyam Trungpa. And that, that to me is... He like, wrote books? Your guy wrote books? Oh, he's, he was... What's you know, called Shambhala? Yeah, Shambhala... Mm S-H-A-M-B-H-A-L-A, The Sacred Path of the Warrior. That's great. And it's by Chogyam, C-H-O-G-Y-A-M, Trungpa, T-R-U-N-G-P-A. So Trungpa Rinpoche was a very important carrier of the Tibetan Buddhist tradition to the West. Hmm. He founded, we were talking about with Valerie Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. Mm -hmm. So he planted a lot of seeds. Pema Chodron, who a lot of people will know, was a student of Trungpa Rinpoche also. Okay. This is
1: like uh, Prana uh, Yogananda. I can never say his first name. Yogananda brought some stuff. Seminal
0: is a good word. Seminal. They had some kind of fundamental um, role in transplanting something. So
1: even though I'm with you, yeah. I I think that one of the things we're starving for is community. Being here, it's having minimal, no right. desire. Yeah. Uh, I had some alcohol last night for fun. You know, yeah. it was like let's have fun. Not. I'm a guy who's like let's. I'll drink. This is not a cry for help. I'll drink because I can't get there. I can't get to the relax. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I drink because I can't get there. Yeah. Uh, because I can't get to the relaxation. I like that there's a liquid you imbibe that forces you to, quote-unquote, relax. It's not necessarily yeah, I true I relaxation, yeah. but you, your body can't fight it. Right. Uh-huh. It's an undeniable... Uh-huh. Like the non-negotiable erection. Right. You drink it like an erection. Anyway, sorry, that was stupid. <laughs> Keep
0: going. You're, you're, <laughs> I, see you. I can still see your head at the bottom of
2: that <laughs> hole. <laughs> it's starting sort to of look like the
0: top of your head. No, nope. no that's
2: it's where intended. I belong. Yeah. I belong down there.
1: But the, uh, So uh, there's no desire for alcohol except for fun um, or uh, even drugs other than for fun, pornography, television, mm-hmm. movies. All, all we're doing is hanging out Yeah. And every meal is a table for four that seven people are sitting at. Mm -hmm. And every Kirtan is the music show is me sitting so close to Valerie. And I was with Zach Leary next to these two people that normally I would be like, would you please give me a courtesy seat between me and Mm -hmm. you? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Zach, I wouldn't say that to Valerie, but I didn't mind at all. In fact, I I, I enjoyed hearing him sing. I enjoyed hearing her Mm -hmm. sing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we're all—it's like Avatar. Remember the movie Avatar? Mm-hmm. At the end, they're all
0: holding arms. It's and I'm, like, yeah. I'm just like, that's what we're starving for. So I agree with you. Yeah, and it can be a container or a vehicle for very good energy. You know, it's incredible. Very, very, very much helping people clarify, relax, enjoy life more. But that's
1: the thing where it's like we're all—I'll speak for myself. I feel like I'm always meditating here. It always
0: feels like mm-hmm. a good—that's a good retreat as that meditative there's, Yeah. Place. There's, there's a. There's a word actually that um, there was a guy Shamdas, who was part of this community who died in a motorcycle accident, and a word he used a lot is bhav, b h a v, mm. which is like sort of being in the flow, in the zone, mm. and everything that happens has a sort of high degree of tendril, like what happened with Ramdas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like things sort of move along in a very natural way. That's right. And that's called the bhav. And before he died, I said, I get I get kind of messages for people sometimes, you know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I said. Sham, you should write a book about the bhav. It's like it's what connects the the the, the hipsters and the hippies with yeah. the, with the spiritual. Yeah. Just being in that space. Yeah. So yes, the good retreat will create a certain thing. They also say a guru has tremendous bhav, bhav and atmosphere around. Them. Well that's what so a lot of ha- things happen in the atmosphere of a, of a guru.
1: See, that's what I like about your bus analogy. It's, it's, it's solving my uh, problem with I never sat at the feet of your guru or, mm-hmm. or this guy's guru or whoever's mm-hmm. guru. Mm-hmm. But then when we are together, I'm feeling something. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling some of that 220. I'm not getting... No. So even though we're in agreement, <laughs> not even though, we're in agreement about the community and stuff, I still would like to hear the story
0: of how you ended up. Okay. So, and it's no... In a way, it's, it's no different than how I ended up meeting you and talking to you. So I really want to kind of preset the table that way and really, right. give it a broader context. Yeah. If you're following the 220 energies, you will meet the guru. Yeah. You will. You have already met the guru because the guru is 220.
1: Yeah, yeah, so yeah. That
0: space itself is the guru. It's not a personality
1: or individuality. Well, that was the KD quote that your guru is what's looking outside of, out of your eyes right now it's that awareness that's it's a that, powerful thing to say that well after Maharaji died he, yeah. he said
0: how can right. I get close to him he mm-hmm, said mm-hmm. it's what's looking out of your eyes right yeah. now and that's, that's great so anyway so myself and this is my thread which I've mentioned already the music world which I was very and am into I've had a huge connection with the entertainment yes yeah. and I might be hanging out with other friends they might not even know I'm a Buddhist particularly although lately the two things are much more intertwined yeah But I've had that realm, and then I had uh, this other, uh, you know, kind of spiritual realm. So I was going to Berklee College of Music in Boston. Oh, yeah. I'm from Boston. Then you know it. (laughs) And it's grown. It was very small when I went there, but it's now the huge, beautiful... I uh, thought I
1: was going to go there for music production
0: because I, I didn't have the balls oh. to say I wanted to be in the limelight.
1: <laughs> I was like, I'll produce the limelight. Okay. Now yeah. I look back at that, and I'm like, that's ridiculous. You'll, you probably, just... you'll
0: probably do both. Right? <laughs> you think that? So? Yeah. Oh, I do think so. <laughs> I do. But, um, so, I was studying music there. I had already graduated from college, so was, I was already a professional musician, but I went back for a little extra training. Mm. And at that time, that was 1970 when I was there, and um, it was time when a lot of these things were sort of flowering, you know, interest in these things. Um, So I went to a yoga studio there, Mm -hmm. East-West Yoga Studio, and it just happened by coincidence, whatever you want to call it, that the woman who owned that studio was one of the people who signed off as a hostess on Trungpa Rinpoche, my teacher, coming to America. No way. So when he got to America, that was one of the first places he taught. So he came to our... Six months into my first year there, he came to... um, Um, the studio and And she told you well she hosted a workshop right and the workshop was called work sex and money work sex and money and I was just blown away I thought like because to me spirituality was all the way over here yeah and I was like looking for these kind of what reminds me of yours and how to make a buck That's why... I, I, I'm nothing but a continuity of that. <laughs> I wouldn't open my mouth about any of this stuff if I hadn't studied What was it? Work, sex, and money? This was work, sex, and money. So you know, this podcast is comedy, sex, and God. That's what we normally talk about. You
1: need at least three to make it. Uh, a good three. got to have a th- tripod. But I like having sex right next
0: to God. Sex is a huge <laughs> topic. You know, you saw that from our last conversation. yeah, right yeah. You know, it's what what do we flounder over while we're searching for God or searching for spirituality? What are we actually having it? What are we actually experiencing? Right. Well, that and do you have to ignore that in order to transcend? That's see. That's why Buddhism is really like a blade cutting through that idea of of like this is over here, that's over there. Yeah. Well, what
1: is what do they think about sex? They're not.
0: Well, there's different. well, what is Manchester. the
1: blade cutting through? It's cutting through your concepts about all of those things. And where did that leave us? I'm curious. It leaves us with sex, in particular.
0: Well, that's if you read that book. That's another trunk of a book: Work, Sex, and Money. Really? Yeah, Get they these are they, great. They formulated into. You see, he was such a seminal teacher at that time that there's like probably 20 books of of his out there, Wow. and people. To this day, they're reading that stuff and they're coming to people like me and saying, could, could you at least walk me through this? And of course, the centers help people, the Shambhala centers help people walk through it. And he does have an heir. He died in 87, so his heir is his son, hmm. who is now about 52, Sakyam So Rinpoche. And my son, is, as I mentioned, is a teacher in the same tradition. So I, I say this koan, my son's teacher is my teacher's son. His son's teacher is my teacher's son. <laughs> so you know that's continuity but I met him so I went to that workshop you went I was curious like you I mean yeah I I, went like what's going on what what, where can you go from here but I had I would say a certain kind of spiritually zone that I was you know that I thought maybe was a little bit distinct from everyday life Mm -hmm. and he was the mystical guy from Tibet. I thought he was going to come in robes and touch people and Mm they go into like bliss states and things like that. And he came in in a western business suit. No. Western business suit. He had already kind of like let go of the uh, monastic tradition for himself. He didn't think it was going to be the right... He thought it would just make too much fascination for people in the West. They wouldn't Mm. get the point. Mm. They would just get fascinated with the trappings. He's drinking a milkshake. (laughs) Cigarette. Another story. He did smoke. (laughs) He did? Yeah, he did smoke and he drank. Interesting. And he hung out with us.
1: I just heard uh, the Bill Gates documentary, uh, he talked about his, I believe it was a Tibetan uh, Tibetan teacher, and they went out and got a drink. And, and the guy very casually goes, I had an Irish coffee, he had a tea, and I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, I'm always kind of fascinated with that. Not to marshal them, but I'm interested in that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting.
0: Uh, he basically kind of fearlessly and almost formlessly just took on whatever was around, around him so that he could communicate with people that's interesting he was was transparent that way I thought so he's in a suit yeah and he's talking about these things but what's the drift of it it's still be here now yeah work be here now sex be here now money be here now now then those ripple out differently because that means there's a certain layer of discipline that you're adding into what you consider the normal activities which can be unconscious activities Mm. and you're saying bring consciousness into those activities Mm. So that's, in a nutshell, if I said what Shambhala's about, what he was about, what I'm about is bringing awareness into everyday life. Why? Because it enhances it. Why? (laughs) Because... (laughs) Why why? should we want to enhance it? Well, that's a natural thing. Why does a plant grow? Yeah. So we're trying to be better growing plants. Well, we're not even trying. It's organic. But it's good to be... uh...
1: It's good to be a good growing plant. It That's is good.
0: It is good. It's
1: good to be a good growing plant. That's what I bring to this conversation. I, I, you're
0: right. If you, look at, if you look at if the causes and conditions are there, like outside here, yeah. then you have a sort of healthy, vibrant form of existence. If it's all tightened up and encumbered and, and blocked and obstructed by kind of... Fixations and doubt and fear, right. it becomes a kind of painful existence. Well, you and I kept talking about without going to
1: specifics, like um, for lack of a better term, didn't you say animal, almost animal
0: level? Yeah, there, well, I, the book I'm writing, which I told you about, is yes. called Awakening from the Daydream, is the six realms, which is a classic Buddhist paradigm. This and really it's, helps. How yeah. your mind, well, I'll, I'll send you a pre, pre- please copy Please do, but, uh, but this idea, I'll, just hearing about it, helped me. I'd love to read it. Uh, uh, please go. Yeah, so, well, uh, let's bookmark that topic because I want to finish with Joan Yes, please. I'm going to write down uh, <laughs> animal level, that's how you, I mean. you're, 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 My mother, by the way, was a very famous theater producer in New York. Yeah. She was the first woman I ever won a Tony, Tony and she said, Whoa. she said, you know, um, jumping to conclusions is the only exercise I get. That was one of her great <laughs> lines. But the master of, you know, Single entendre, non sequiturs. <laughs> <laughs> so you and I have that ability to uh, yeah, talk around right. together. Yeah, for sure. So uh, stay on the guru path. So he's, uh, I was. He gave me my initial meditation instruction, and I would say the workshops he did then were very much like what I would do now. You go, there's twenty, thirty people there. They want to learn how to meditate. You teach. You talk a little bit about the dharma. He was completely available on that level as a teacher. It wasn't a guru. It was like a real teacher. Mm-hmm. You know. And he gave me my first meditation instruction, one-to-one, just like, you know. Wait, he taught you one-on-one? Absolutely. Oh, wow. It was part of the weekend workshop. Wow. And that's how I do it now. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's the same. It's a, it's a tradition that we pass through. And you could say, uh, you know, wow, is it hubris for for me to try to step in for him? Well, he's not here, so I'm doing it out of respect. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's and the people, And I, I'm respectful of the fact that... Um, if somebody asks a good question, I'm not going to shield myself and yeah. try to make myself look good or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's, that's not what I'm doing that for. Right. You know? You're not trying to
1: appear on the lip of a cave, <laughs> Like you just came out to yeah. throw some flowers and go
0: back. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we all have to watch out for that. And yeah. he had a great phrase for that called spiritual materialism. Mm. So he, another book he wrote is called Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism.
1: And was that mean holding on to the piety as as a price? holding on to
0: anything yeah. as any spiritual envelope as okay now I got it I we, got I got this
1: We talk about that on this podcast mm-hmm. how sometimes I enjoy spiritually bragging. I'll be like I meditated and yeah. everything
0: stood still and it's it's it can feel fun but yeah. of course that's it's a baby true. in a bathwater too there because there is some positive quality experience. There's nothing wrong with acknowledging that yeah but. Building your ego up on that. That's what cutting through spiritual materialism means.
1: But that's where I got burned in the the Christian churches. You start having one of my dear friends, best friends, like family to me is, is this guy, Rob Bell. And he came up in, you know, sort of the evangelical. He was a pastor thing. And one of the first things we bonded over was I was like, do you know how good it would feel if you know who Joel Osteen is? Uh, he's he, a mega pastor. Right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so you might turn on the TV in a hotel I've seen, I've on a seen, Sunday. Yeah. You'll yeah. see this. I actually like Joel Osteen quite a bit.
0: He doesn't seem like a bad guy. He,
1: yeah, yeah, he's, he's uh, my friend put it perfectly. He's feeding people alphabet soup. He's giving them very basic, mm-hmm. love yourself, love God stuff. It, it's cheesy for sure, and it's not exactly my favorite interpretation intellectually, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. whatever. I And Rob and I joked about how good it would make me feel if after Joel he preaches to 10, 50, 100,000 people at a time. And sometimes he kills it. And I'm like, if he gets off stage and goes to himself, yeah. that's how you do it, motherfucker. Yeah. Just, like, just a little human moment. Yeah. Because I come from that tradition where the pastor has to be okay. a phony baloney. Yeah. He's never horny. He doesn't jerk off. Mm-hmm. He never eats an entire pizza by himself. He never... <laughs> He never hates his wife <laughs> You and I The first time we talked We were talking about How women smoke My girlfriend's right there But like I never want to be dishonest About like yeah. Look at that beautiful woman I'm, I'm horny for that woman Or whatever it is
0: Well and that's what You have to love about KD right
1: That's what I do love about KD That's what and, I love about KD And when we were just With Ramdas, He yeah. said uh, He told a story about Maharaji Calling someone A sister fucker And yeah. I was like
0: And the translator's Having trouble Yeah exactly
1: and I'm like, that's, of course, it, the context is everything in that. It was, it was a lighthearted joke. I'm not trying to yeah. disparage him. But that's what I'm talking about. The spiritual materialism in my tradition is in the church parking lot, let, letting people cut yeah. you off and then secretly under your breath calling them a motherfucker. You know what I mean? I well, like, think
0: about. I'd rather think,
1: you call me a motherfucker. Think about
0: a great spiritual master coming from Tibet. Yeah. And that's the first thing he tags. He goes, you look, it's right in the book. It's great. That's another classic, but it's saying, I, I don't question the fact that you people are aspiring and want to you know, improve and, and increase your understanding of these things, but you should check your motivation. Yeah. And, and that's all it's saying in a way. Yeah. And it's, I, you know, some of the message has moved on, but I keep that thread going. Yeah, so cutting through spiritual materials is an important thread for us
1: but what that brings to mind for me and I know I, I really am interrupting you I hope you don't mind this tangent
0: <laughs> I, I keep telling you it was
1: a conversation <laughs> I know but I did. the first time we talked I kept apologizing because you made me think of these things and I want to hear what you think of them Jews can't be
0: interrupted by the way uh,
1: well one of my little mantras that you made me think of is I say if I'm not interrupting I'm not listening that's, that's right, right. And, that's, and that's truly true I just don't want to do it to the point where it's annoying
2: yeah.
1: uh, but check talk about checking your motivations hmm. Uh, the tradition I came up in, and I'll only speak for myself, we were following Jesus because we didn't want to die and go to hell. We didn't. We didn't want eternal torment. We wanted eternal pleasure. So it. We, we were coming to the poker table with horseshit chips, just playing with fear mm. and playing. Going, mm. you told me the rules, and the rules are either burn forever or I party forever. I want right. to party forever, right. so I can get with this Jesus guy. He seems all right. But that is the shittiest shittiest motivation. In in Buddhism
0: we call that hope and fear. Yeah. You're supposed to cut both of them with one stroke. There you go. (laughs) And the cutting is called the sort of prajna or insight or discernment.
1: Is this the two sided one? Yeah, that's the one. I was so hoping it would come up. Yeah.
0: But let me finish please. Let me finish. That's a comic thing that my friends use. Let me finish. Um, you know that one, right? I don't know. What is oh, no. it from? Oh, I guess it's sort of a <laughs> uh, from my gang of comedian
1: friends. I will say that we say stuff like that because right. normally if a comedian's telling something, it's building to something. Sure. And it's like, you stepped on my punchline or right. something we Let say a lot. Let me
0: finish. Yeah, go ahead. So after that workshop in Boston where I met him, and I got deflated by it. I did not get inflated by it. Mm. I was walking home the first night, and I said, Wow, man, this guy's kind of very ordinary and very down-to-earth. And I had a lot of expectations, and they were just popped. So that was my first good bubble pop. Mm. But I felt relieved. It's like, you know, uh, I won't use the analogy I'm going to use, but I felt relieved from not having to carry that <laughs> around. And carry the bubble yeah, expectation about what, it's, what a guru is or any of that this stuff. This
1: was the depression I was feeling the morning after our podcast.
0: There's a bubble pop.
1: Yeah, I had a bubble pop, and you guys killed it. But I'm meeting KD, and and we're talking, and I I didn't get high from it.
0: You know what I mean? This is a very, in our realm, this is a very important dimension of the experiences where you didn't get high.
1: Yeah. As Ramdas would say, and I said this to myself, I I will eat it all. Mm. We want to push away the lows and pull in the highs and feel pleasure and eliminate pain. But he says... Everything yeah. is is, is it, there the for your enlightenment. Right. And he says, I will eat it all. It's crisp for the meal. I will eat it all. And then he says, and then your suffering becomes grace. Because, I, I,
0: I agree with that. Right? It's called one taste in Buddhism. One, one taste? One, one taste. Like you everything? Yes. Yeah, just It's not like you know shit tastes like a hot dog. It's just whatever experience comes, you don't sort of try to manage it so much. Mm. Manipulate it. Well, that's what I've
1: been doing. That's one of the things I'm learning is I'm always chasing a high feeling even if it's a great conversation,
0: I'm like I'm buzzing from that. Yeah, spiritual materialism. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, but there's something good in it too. <laughs> well, they're baby bath water. Yeah, there's a baby in the bathwater, and that's what prajna separates. baby baby bathwater. All right. So, so then after I saw him, I felt deflated, but also I was laughing at myself a little bit because it struck me as kind of like there was some fundamental quality that I. So well that's it for this lifetime i'm not going to carry that around anymore. It really was a kind of uh, low level epiphany mm. about not just looking for the buzz um so because i'm probably like as a musician, you know we we look for that kind of looking for drugs, looking for highs, whatever you know so this wasn't a low; it was just a kind of ordinary mm. which is what's in the middle between high and low is ordinary or continuous or one taste or what what RD said. Hmm. So then it evolved. He sort of stayed in my mind, you know. Um and there were no books really out at that point. This was very new. This mm-hmm. was a, there was him. He was sort of carrying the virus, you know. <laughs> and and so that summer after Berkeley, I went, I got a gig with my girlfriend at the time who was a singer-songwriter type and and her friend, two girls singing. And they had a gig on Cape Cod. Right? Like this, we were looking out at the ocean, we had a beautiful house, we just had to go play a couple of sets a night, we could just <laughs> go to the beach the rest of the day, like this. And about one weekend, it was the middle of summer, and one weekend, I have this dream that's very vivid about Trungpa Rinpoche, he's in the dream, mm-hmm. just like you had a dream about Ram Dass. And, every, every night, every yeah. Night. <laughs> so he's <laughs> Since really, I've been here yeah. but that's interesting. That I consider it significant when you dream about somebody, yeah, yeah, It yeah. means they're sort of at a deeper level of connection, usually. Not that it couldn't just be you in disguise. And sure, I have a, a little Sigmund Freud puppet that I take with me when I'm teaching. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. say, This one's not Buddhism, this I'm taking. Ziggy yeah, out. that's funny, <laughs> but, Ziggy. <laughs> Ziggy. but uh, I felt so compelled by the flavor or energy of the dream and my feeling about it was it literally him just being like hey I don't remember what uh, it was it's (laughs) I remember a lot of dreams with him in it I remember a lot of you know I can flash back to a lot of experiences that we had uh, because I spent a lot of time with him very close in you know it wasn't like a remote thing so but I just went to my girlfriend and I said you know I gotta go and and because of the times that it was she completely got it Mm. I don't know how that would go over now or before that, but she went like, I understand. And I went up to this place called Tale of the Tiger in Vermont, and that was the first meditation. That's where I met Ram Dass and mm. Surya Das mm. back in, in those days. And I went to a, a 12-day retreat. And then from then on, I really started studying with him, and I started being part of the community of people who were studying with him. And that grew. Eventually, I ended up being the director of that place. It became known as Karma Chilling was renamed and it's now a big meditation center in Vermont and from 78 to 80 I was a director of that so I was going back and forth this is my main thread where was I when I went to Karma Chilling I was in LA living on Mulholland Drive in a house that's probably worth 3 million dollars now it was, <laughs> I could have bought for 90,000 back then and I and I was um, hitting it in the music world so I I had a big hit record that Midnight at the Oasis record was huge global hit. I I had a lot of opportunities. I I scored a feature film. You know um, I I was just about to score another one and then I went to a three month seminary with him. Real training. Real. Where was that? Deep. It was in Land Lakes, Wisconsin that year. Hmm. We would just rent out a whole facility and there was probably 150 people. And that's how he transmitted the kind of depth teachings three months. Hmm. So I kind of had to let go, you know, of v- v- kind of like what would have been probably a very burgeoning moment in career. Who knows? That could have been the time you crapped out too. You don't mm-hmm. know. You know. Afterwards, I, I put I tried for I've been putting them th- things together for thirty years. Back together.
2: Yeah,
1: it reminds me a little bit of well, Krishna Das as well. You know, there's some of that. Like mm-hmm. he went and then he ended up coming right. back in an unlikely way. Right. It also reminds me of Buddha leaving his wife and child. I think there's Mm -hmm. something interesting Mm -hmm. that all of these stories... A lot of people walk through our yard. (laughs) (laughs) You bastards. Uh, But the idea that you have to leave something,
0: presumably, that you love. Although, didn't Buddha name his child ball and chain or something? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) that's another story. But, but, yeah, renunciation. Yeah. Renunciation is part... You know, I mean, it's interesting, you know, and this this is something that's fun to talk to, people about, because there are people now, and you and I mentioned a little bit, who are spiritually inclined, very strongly, it's like even Steve Jobs, you know, went to, he went to Zen Master, um, I, I forget which uh, teacher was, uh, and he said, I'm enlightened. Th- this, this is g- Irish Coffee Guy. That's Irish Coffee Guy. Oh, is it? Yeah, okay, same yeah. guy. I forget which, um, it was Me, one we, of the Zen teachers. We both do. Yeah. So... <laughs> The point is there's been this serious flirtation between people who are en- enmeshed deeply into the world. And, and success. Zuckerberg just went to Maharaji's um, ashram. And then you go, well, if you had to give that up for this, for the spiritual training, would you do it? And I have to say, I did do it. Mm-hmm. I actually renounced a certain pathway that was open to me at that time, and I had to deal with all the consequences of doing that. Mm. Which, some of which was disappointment some of which was um, longing some of which was glad I did that but later on it came all came together in a different way mm. so I've had definitely back and forth between the two
1: it wasn't just a golden movie moment where you're like I'm going to go this way and it was just completely a lot of disappointment yeah you, know, you could have asked your girlfriend at the time instead of saying I'm going to go leave for a retreat you could have said can we sleep with your friend? <laughs> you could have gone rock and roll
0: with it, but instead you wouldn't met Rob Dass in Vermont. <laughs> no, I would not have. And also, it's funny. In your mind, it's almost like something's in there already that's like a homing beacon. Yeah. That trumps a lot of the kind of conditionality.
1: You felt called. That's when I talked to you and KD. you were saying... I felt called, felt called,
0: not like a higher calling. I felt like compelled. Yeah. I think is the right word magnetized it, uh, connected in a way that it was inextricable and then so for the whole period of the 70s I was going back and forth between a very thriving rock and roll you know entertainment film entertainment business world and, and this uh, and, and this so I literally would go on retreat with Trungpa Miche and fly back to San Francisco to do a gig with the band I had with Jerry Garcia mm-hmm. or, or a gig with uh, Maria Mulder uh, and, or, or do a film score or something like that mm. I was literally going back and forth at times the worlds would come very very close together so I did a one month retreat you know month of serious practice up in Northern California and my teacher came at the end of it and there's a there's a story in Tibet where you're supposed to give gold to your teachers or whatever is valuable you give it away. Mm-hmm. They they take and they give you teachings. You're supposed to make an offering. You're not just a poor schlump mm-hmm. who's desperate. Mm-hmm. You you have your own richness. You bring it to the party. Like Hendricks burning his guitar. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the, uh, how that metaphor works. But <laughs> sure. But I'll take your word yeah. for it. So I gave Trumprimchie at the end of that retreat my gold record for Midnight in the Oasis. Oh my gosh! And he you took, literally gave him gold. Well, I'm, I'm a kind of a traditionalist.
1: Yeah, but you... you that's that was amazing. the closest
0: I could get to... I, I felt... I saw the irony and the fun in it, too. Yeah. And well, that's he, the last shot of a great movie. That's a great story. And he took the thing and used it as a tray and served drinks on it for everybody. <laughs> that's great. And it was Goldschlager. Yeah. That's <laughs> but see, there's a lot of little moments like that, but I don't dwell on telling those stories. Yeah. No, you don't say... I, Feel like I'm um, not pulling it out of yeah. you, but I took you there. But I could, if it was appropriate and it would help the person or kind of connect them in some way. But I feel the thread is there to make the full connection without that. So here you are walking away from a lot of all jokes aside, a lot of parties
1: and uh, fun and rock and roll. Well,
0: we now there's a flip side because my sangha was a fun sangha. Yeah, we we weren't a renunciate sangha. There was a lot of uh, relationship things going on it was How did, so where was that that was all over the are on all these retreats yeah I mean it wasn't like a celibate gang or yeah. even it wasn't even a stern gang right you know and it was also um, had a kind of tremendous kick and dynamic to it so it wasn't yeah, yeah. I wasn't really giving up that right in a way it was better rock and roll the other rock and roll felt a little more uh, desperate
1: rock and roll and, and even the good side of the comedy lifestyle might fringe into that beautiful community yeah, I and mean, look here. The two, 20, yeah, 20, yeah, this is better than that. Yeah, and, and it's,
0: <laughs> there's less frantic uh, desperation. There's a little more like, you could play with this energy. Now, that's tantra, you know. You, you're supposed to play with this energy. Yeah. But not abuse it. Flick it. Play and flick. Yeah, play, flick, yeah. play and flick. So you never went to Tibet or anything, or did that. I, I was just saying that to the Surya does this morning. I never went anywhere. Yeah. The whole Tibetan pantheon fell on my head. Like, it was like... Uh, Uh, you know Wizard of Oz Mm. it's like I'm just there and your house landed on (laughs) (laughs) the house landed on my head and through Trunvamite I met all of the great Tibetan teachers Mm. because he our organization was pretty together then so he hosted people coming over a lot of the great masters and we hosted them so that meant me driving them around or Mm. you know hanging out with them and um, so I look at myself as a a lucky fool basically Mm -hmm. you know I wasn't a seeker in the same way that these guys were they're going to India and getting yeah. Worms in their butt you know well, they have worms in their butt, <laughs> you know what I mean
1: <laughs> like dysentery yeah. and disease yeah. you know
0: that's why I think of india what yeah for sure uh
1: when so tell me about your teacher uh when I was talking to you about um and then what, yeah, I remember you said I feel like my teacher's saying, and then what isn't a question well he
0: yeah he had some things teaching devices, I would say things that were repeated one thing he repeated often: was your guess is as good as mine hmm. so that's you could say that's sophistry but it's also just putting it back to the person who's asking the question to look a little bit deeper into. but that
1: sounds very buddhist that,
0: that's what you're saying it's
1: not trying to uh remember in air force one the movie uh you refuel the plane by another plane coming on top mm-hmm, of you and it mm-hmm. refuels you with that little jet penis, right. jet there, penis. There's, there, they keep seeming to say you don't they're
0: trying to put it on you, saying you have the fuel in you already. I, I went off on Jet Penis because I'm thinking about a Kung Fu movie, an X-rated Kung Fu movie starring Jet Penis instead of Jet League.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. But go ahead. I'm sorry you derailed me there. I just no,
1: the difference between this and other traditions isn't so much of like... I need to sequester the guru and, and smush him into me suck the
0: life and out of him suck the life but out but people do because the person's so magnetic in a way right just because their being is so radiant but that's not your guess is as good as mine he's saying no he's taking that radiant he's taking that magnetizing and saying okay now let me put it back right into you put it back into you
1: the potential in you to have that as well yeah and if to they're
0: interested in anything else it's considered corrupt interested in anything puffing themselves up with it right that's considered corruption interesting but he's and trying, a really serious danger, by the way, that's pointed to.
1: Well, all these uh, intentional communities and stuff always go sideways because the guru, the main guy starts having sex with the underage girls or they get guns or something. Like, there's a lot
0: of power. Well, is that really why they go sideways or do they go sideways because there's deception going on? Yeah, probably that first, I, I'd have to admit. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I'm. I take those things as they are in terms of who's having sex with who. And on like I, 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 turned into Jesus Christ at that point. I say like you know, go ahead and throw the stone if you want to. Yeah, throw your stones if you yeah. want to. You know? But um, but a deception is another story. Mm. Like how much how much um, are, are people feeding somebody else's uh, self deception, or, mm. or are you undercutting it? Mm. So I, um, you know, I have a, maybe a slightly different view on on that than most people do. Now there can be a power imbalance, which is what people talk about a lot these days, right? Like the guru has some kind of power, but I'm not sure people don't give them that that power. Mm. You, you can keep your power, was, you know. Mm. You can keep your power. Mm. So I, if I'm giving my power away, I, I, I view that as a certain element of personal responsibility from my side. Right. You you elected the leader. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You empowered that person to take your power away. Yeah. So, but but if somebody's charismatic, they do have a responsibility to sure. to be to be ethical. Stevie Wonder had to be a cool dude when he came. He
1: gave the harmonica. He could have, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, Stevie Wonder. <laughs> come back to him. Did not seem. In fact, I think in the conversation we had the other day about uh, narcissism and stars, hmm. which is, I mean, I've made a lot of my living off of stars blowing up and yeah, meeting, sure. recognizing that happening and contributing to it in some way, producing or writing something. So. I don't disregard the phenomenon and I respect people who are willing to be that far out there. But it is an interesting it is an interesting phenomenon and it could somebody manifest in the entertainment world as we have it today without being a narcissist. Mm. Is that even possible? Mm. Or just is a whole system set up to sort of nurture that.
1: My experience, it's uh, different levels.
0: <laughs> but we did say, do we know anybody? Remember, we said, do, do either of us know somebody who would say is a big star who's not a narcissist? Yeah. And I said, Stevie Wonder, in my m- money, is not a narcissist. Interesting. He's just a talented motherfucker, man. <laughs> and on a high beam, he's on a lot of two twenty going on. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. And you feel it. You know, you feel when he sings, it's it's very inspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't feel he's watching himself do it. Mm. I think that's... the Narcissism comes from needing to watch yourself. Yeah. Check. Instead of being a, the radio.
1: <clears throat> literally the radio. That's the metaphor people use. Is you're just the radio playing the music or whatever. But he literally was playing the music. So what, w- what were the things that really got into you, that, that switched you on, that, that your guru said or taught you or did? or Not miracles, just anything that... Do you remember a moment that it clicked?
0: There is there are a lot of chants in, in Buddhism, you know, that encapsulate lineage traditions, that encapsulate teachings, something you repeat, maybe even memorize. And there's one chant that, that we do, which is a lineage chant, and it has this notion, this is how I see Guru, and I think you can relate to this just what just happened at breakfast today with Ramdas, is the hidden life examples of your body, speech and mind. In other words, ordinary contact that you have and you see somebody do something and you go, Oh they could have said a million brilliant things, it doesn't hit you as hard as just watching them do that one little thing. Mm. You know, I'll give you like Rinpoche smoked cigarettes and other people around him smoked, and he would light your cigarette. I didn't smoke, but he would go and it was like getting a transmission. Mm. It was so present. Yeah. It wasn't like oh yeah, mm -hmm," you know thing that, that ordinary moment.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: charging it with
1: him. Well, when I first met Ram Dass, I shook his hand and he took my hand and he put it the back of my hand on his cheek. Sweet. Like, it was sweet. It was like something your mom would do yeah. or your somebody who really loves you would do. He did it in this very affectionate... he did he wasn't even looking at me, not in a way that he wasn't looking at right, me. Right. But he he kind of had his head down
0: and then he put my hand on his cheek and I was yeah. just like Oh, that was my cigarette getting lit. I don't know if you were there when he said it, but he said, I was a professor. Oh, you asked yeah. me to listen to his old tapes. I said, do you listen to your old yeah, stuff? He, <laughs> he, did, he didn't like himself as much then as I think he... Yeah. Because he saw that as a kind of layer, the, the intellectual thing. Yeah. you know, Sometimes I see that as a kind of brilliance that people have. I, I don't have the same allergy to intellect as, as a lot of spiritual people do. Mm. It can be a form of brilliance, mm. really discernment and sharpness. My son, for example, Ethan is very articulate.
2: Hmm. Sharon's
0: very Sharon Salzberg's very articulate. Hmm. Their intellect is honed. Who, who was it they called? It,
1: it Ramdas's mind like a diamond. It was like Maharaji was like, "This guy's got that diamond mind. I'm mm. going to let him mm. go and take this the next uh, the next yard." Wow, I love it. Well, let, let's talk about the animal level and less the realms. Yeah, I'd like, mm-hmm. I like that was very helpful to me, and it it gets a, a little uh, dense or whatever, but the so to preface with what made it so helpful was when you're looking at tears of consciousness, mm-hmm. whenever somebody has a system for tears of consciousness, it helps me have compassion for people. Mm. So you look at somebody in your life and you're like, oh, I wish they would X, Y, or Z, or right, right, why right. don't they? Like my parents. I don't mind talking shit about my parents. You go home and you're like, guys, you're you're on the same loop. <laughs> like visit, yeah. Visiting you today is
0: very similar to visiting you last yeah. year. And uh, well, that is... You know, the the book that I just finished that's coming out in in September of 2016 is called Awakening from the Daydream, and it's about the wheel of life. A central piece in the wheel of life, which is this ancient Buddhist diagram, is there are six realms depicted, and what they are is the different kinds of loops. Mm. The whole picture is called samsara, which means loop, Samsara is the original <laughs> loop. It's cyclic existence. Yeah. You go around and around and around. And just when it stops spinning, it's like a dryer. You reach out from inside it, you put another quarter in the machine, it goes around again. Hmm. That's called habitual patterns, right? Mm-hmm. So th- can you recognize that quality? Absolutely. So, Attracting
1: the same people even and, and having the same experiences.
0: Yeah, the, uh, the external mirrors the internal. Absolutely. And those are called realms. This is very well... Sort of thought out thing. All I did was try to make it a little more modern. So yeah. we did, we did a new painting of the wheel that's got hungry ghosts. It's like Black Monday at a at a, uh, a uh, Black Friday at a yeah. sale. Everybody's huh. just climbing over each other. Hungry ghosts. The next thing will get me there. Is that the first one? Then, yeah. So the realms very briefly. I don't know how deeply. We, maybe. I know it's maybe
1: frustrating we, when you've written a book. Well, for it's, me it's not going to summarize your book. <laughs> it's not going to be out till
0: October til, <laughs> of okay. uh, next year. So maybe we could talk again then. Sure. And And, sure. and go into more detail, but. It's, it's um, the six realms that are, I call it Disney World for the mind. In other mm. words, you know, you go, you go to Tomorrowland, you go to Pioneerland. Mm. You know? So they're like dioramas, that's the word I, that I use. And so the first one on the top is called the God Realms. Mm. Now people, in certain spiritual traditions, that's the target. Mm-hmm. They think that's Enlightenment. But in Buddhism, it's not considered enlightenment. It's considered a subtler form of sand trap, Mm. where pleasure, pleasurable experience, becomes something you're subtly addicted to.
1: The bliss, the constant oneness of everything, is a trap.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) you've seen it. You know what it looks like. Yeah, it's an intoxication, and as as we were saying the other day, it can it can last for a long time. Mm. You know, so the. What makes it a loop or a trap is the fact that if it starts to wear down, you want it back. Mm-hmm. So it can be very disappointing to leave that kind of environment. I look at our world, the entertainment world, as primarily God Realm and Jealous Gods. Which is the next one. There. You hit it big, yeah. you know, who's a god? Oprah. Yeah. She's, it's Midas Touch. It's yeah. just like there's no sense of I'm going to lose this or I'm fighting for this or struggling for this. It's good karma. Mm. It's a certain kind of karma that gets you there, but it won't keep you there. So the subtle addiction in there is ignoring anything that's outside of that bubble. Mm. What's outside of it? Impermanence, suffering. It's Buddha in the temple. Well, in that realm, Buddha, interestingly, in that realm is playing a musical instrument. Is that right? And demonstrating impermanence with the decay of the note. It's like, ding. So it's a very subtle thing. The jealous God realm, the next one over, where I think... We've seen a lot of these kind of people. They're competitive. They're trying to get where the gods are. Mm. So I just do. I just do all this from the point of view of everyday life, modern America. You can see this playing out left and right. This has nothing to do with the ancient uh, descriptions of actual realms. The jealous gods are like, you know. I need a hit. You know, I, I had a hit. I, I got to have another hit. So and so had a bigger hit. You know what I mean? They sold 12 million records. I only sold 10 million records. You know, mm. it's like, oh, oh, wait a minute. 10 million records means you never have to work again for the rest of your life. It means you're a household name. It means you've reached people. Relax, baby. Yeah. You know, there's no relaxation. But you're stuck in that. So next you're, you're driving a 350-foot yacht and you're having a good day. And then somebody comes by with a 400-foot yacht and you're miserable.
2: Mm.
0: How do I get that? How do I, you, Don't you know people like that? I do, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're caught in that loop. The next one down is human realm, which is um, where the poignancy of being a human being is that you can have access to all that kind of pleasure, but you you know it's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. So you fall in love, you fall out of love. There's hope and fear, there's there's expectation, there's disappointment. It's part of the fabric of it. You know you're going to die. You know about impermanence. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of potential for compassion. So that's a very that's best launch point for, for Dharma in Buddhism mm-hmm. not the God realm mm. God realm's a trap because you don't you don't have beginner's mind making. you do not have beginner's mind in yeah. the God realm yeah. that's right you don't have not knowing Yeah, you don't have uh gap of any kind mm. it's just like Elix, you're, you're stoned, basically.
1: It's kind of my and-then-what thing. I've been I, Whenever I talk about heaven, right, right. I'm like, let's say old, old Pete would say, you live and then you go to heaven and then you're there, and then what? And this is something Ramdas talks about. It's like, how long are you in paradise before paradise starts to feel normal? And this is why we need pain and loss, and this is why we need not knowing, and this is why we need, you know, all
0: that sort of stuff. So he's not promoting this God realm. Right. That's, you know... From the point of view of the Buddhist thing, you, you identify these so that you can recognize them and not, not get trapped. in
1: That's well heard, because I honestly thought coming here that every one of these Maharaji people were trying to feel like they were on acid all the time. I thought they took acid. Yeah. They said, I like this. This is the feast of Christ. I'm going to stay here. Yeah. And they kept getting kicked out. And they they'll talk about that. But I also don't think that that's, what they're, that's not what I'm hearing now that
0: I'm here. People yeah. aren't saying, isn't it great that I'm tripping, I
1: can look at that plant and... So there's more human realm yeah.
0: kind of quality to it, which is the community you talked about and the feeling of being close to other people. and The
1: most connected I felt, mm. uh, some of the most connected I felt, not to make a hierarchy, but was after I had, the morning after our discussion, for some reason I was depressed, I felt existential, and then Duncan saved me. But mm-hmm. if I hadn't had the pain, mm. I wouldn't have had... Forget the rush that I got, the high that I got from Duncan kind of throwing me a lifeline. Mm -hmm. I also had the connection with Duncan. I gave Duncan Mm -hmm. that feeling of saving me. I I, I gave him the fun of that. And Mm -hmm. the people around me got to hear that. because I even said I was like, the best podcasts I have are when I'm in pain. (laughs) Or it's when I need you, just like our first conversation, Mm -hmm. I like this one. Mm -hmm. I need you in some way. Mm -hmm. And if I was just in the God realm, I'd be like, what a boring
2: conversation yeah. we would have.
0: I think many people, that's right. And, <laughs> and not only that, we would really not want to acknowledge any of that kind of pain mm. because it would completely um, destroy the whole Bring you down. Yeah, bring you down. It would, it would be, yeah, it down. harsh your buzz. Well, and speaking of going down, then from the human realm, you start to go into what's called the lower realms. Again, relative, because all six are considered a different kind of trap. Mm-hmm. So it's high trap, low trap. And as you go down, what you were talking about before, the animal realm, is um, where access to pleasure has become limited in a way. And also there's a tremendous survival instinct that's coming about. You know, how do I just even stay alive, you know, Mm -hmm. and keep keep my situation intact? So it's similar to the God realm in that ignorance is the main obstruction there. Mm. That's interesting, isn't it? But it's a much stupider kind of ignorance. Full circle, early. and it's like kind of like people who, all of us, any of us, who just go, "I did it this way, it worked. I'm doing it again. Let's not discuss it." Mm. Spirituality, kind of a animal realm flavor. I'm telling you, when I when
1: certain people in my life, I'll, I'll think it's clearly my parents.
2: <laughs> I'm just <laughs> okay, trying to uh, parents. I'm trying to omit <laughs> this,
1: but you'll see. And I love my dad very dearly. I don't think there's anything wrong with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen. The idea that uh, a good dinner, let's go to dinner, mm. and uh, and one of these three restaurants, we yeah. will go to one of these three restaurants, we yeah. will eat a meal. I will come home and I will watch Jeopardy or whatever it is. And I don't, I'm I'm honest, being honest with you, I'm not saying this with judgment. I see it. It's not broke, don't don't fix it. Yep, this is happening. And and you, when I'm there, sometimes I'm like, there's. Your guru wrote books. There's two-month meditation retreats in Vermont where like a four-hour drive from this sort of stuff. Well, like, I, I feel a yearning in myself, but some people don't necessarily feel that. And, and that. Well,
0: both the God realm and the animal are about a comfort zone. Yeah. Preserving a comfort zone, which is reasonable. And as I said, they, each one of these has a sort of enlightened dimension to it. Like the jealous gods, even though they're competitive, envy they're sharp. Yeah. The gods are you know, kind of benevolent in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Human beings are kind of loving and passionate and confused a lot mm-hmm. of the time. You know, Animals are kind of sturdy, and they have a real strong connection to the earth mm-hmm. element. Then it starts going down. <clears throat> it's all your relationship to pleasure and pain, basically, you know, basically. So the next realm down is called the Hungry Ghost Realm, which I think we mentioned. Black Friday, yeah. Yeah, addiction, mm. compulsion, about getting something from outside and and thinking that that will save you. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can't quite get to it. So in the traditional literature, the the hungry ghost has a little tiny little mouth and a little straw neck and a huge belly. Oh, man. So th- these people are poets when they're, you know, I mean, they say there's really realms in which these beings exist this way. Yeah. But that's not the approach. I don't think that's... The, it's not necessary. It's not necessary to understand the psychology of right. it. Right. Because
1: we're talking about human, psychology They're all humans. That's what helps me. Yeah. And that might be what helps people listening, is we're not talking about a God realm somewhere else. We're talking about someone the reaching... The God realm
0: aspect of the human realm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The bigger picture is more cosmic and a larger envelope for the whole thing, but... This is a very, very, uh, and this is the way my teacher talked about it, very psychologically. Hunger ghost is like addiction. You know, there's this sort of feeling of like, you know, and it can be physicalized. People can easily like. The other day, I went and had a vanilla and coffee near the beach. a Cone, of coffee, and vanilla ice cream cone, and waffle cone. It was Ooh. just so soaring. Talking about bliss, I mean, really. While I was eating it, it was indistinguishable from God. Wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Sitting on the beach eating that with my friends, you know. But then the next day, I thought, I gotta have that. Yeah, I want exactly that again. And that's where that your mind is in a very powerful place. There, most of us cannot overcome that. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need some kind of. Well, the comedian will have a great set, and he'll say, "Well, I took a shit right before
1: that set, so I should." You right. should take a shit before my set tonight. Yeah. And you'll do it. And then you'll be on stage and everything will be the same. Oftentimes I'll be in a great mood and then I'll have a bad podcast. Mm. or I'll be in a great mood and I'll have a bad show. There's no, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to hold on to the flick ice cream. Flick the
0: gig, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or flick the ice cream, right? Flick the ice cream. But, but that,
0: that's, well, once it's in the Hungry Ghost realm, it's become somaticized to a certain extent. Yeah. That's why people working with addiction, they have to work with the body level mm. too. You can't just mentally outdo it.
1: Interesting, you know, some of the best times in my life, uh, if I were to make a list of the greatest days of my life, um, some of them would be sex, sexual things, and some of them would be uh, mushrooms, <laughs> taking mushrooms or having some sort of exceptional mm-hmm. sexual
0: experience. On mushrooms, you
1: mean? Or? Oh, no, I, I one time started to have sex on mushrooms and I was like, you know... You're turning into like a snake. I
0: I I I literally,
1: (laughs) the remaining part of my brain was like, we don't want to see what a vagina looks like while tripping. Let's let's, let's leave that one alone. (laughs) Or any part. I don't want to see what my dick looks like when I'm tripping. So I, I made the right choice. But I look back at that. You're talking about pleasure and pain. And I look back on this intense pleasure. That's a real and then what? I've had that thing where I'm eating the ice cream and the coffee sexually and it's been amazing. Right. And then you, but then, and then what? And then you you either chase it or you let it go or you pop
0: it. It's gone. So in our conversation, the and then what? I mean, you know already that since I'm a songwriter, I'm always looking at titles. Yeah. That's a big currency for us. (laughs) But, and then what? Does not have a question mark after it. It has a dot, dot, dot. Right. There's the title of your book and then what? And then what? Dot, (laughs) Dot, dot, dot. Because, and then what? Is a statement. Yeah. That's what we, you know, it's, it's, it's...
1: I think there's a lot of power in it. It's like you go to heaven and then what? Or you meet the guru and then what? Or you reach enlightenment and then what? And that's where you guys, you sly, invisible guitarists come in and you go, can we eliminate suffering? Can we relieve suffering? Mm. Can we increase compassion? Mm. And that's why all these guys, all the different traditions mm. are always going back to increasing kindness. And when I scroll through Facebook and I see the next terror attack and, or whatever it is... I'm just like we definitely could use
0: some more more, positive, and then what?
1: More positive, and then what? Yeah. And, and legit, I'm not talking about phony, baloney youth pastor in the in the no, parking No, there's some lot good, stuff. and
0: then what? That's real called the relative cultivation of good qualities. Yeah, know? and and that's part of all these paths too. <clears throat> the real one is, and then what? And then it just falls off into a kind of open space mm. and you don't know that's where like they use phrases phrase like gap or not knowing or whatever yeah because if you have any faith <coughs> at all something will come up mm. and if you have good faith the right thing will come up mm. even if it's not what you expected or what you hope for birds of the air birds of the air heavy 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 one good it's one. a good one very good
1: uh did you see salma No, I haven't seen that yet. They're in prison. It's not a spoiler. Martin Luther King. They couldn't use any of Martin Luther King's speeches, Mm -hmm. so they ended up using a lot of
0: Bible verses. That's awesome. Is that? I thought it was (laughs) Ragu. I
2: thought it was (laughs) Ramesh
0: On a paddleboard in the ocean, rolling right past us. I think we're going to do
1: that after this. Um, What was I saying? The idea of... Oh, nothing. I lost it. <laughs> Isn't that a problem? Oh, birds of the air. They're in prison. Yeah, Selma. And he says, uh, look, he quotes that verse in the Gospels and I, I just lost it. I was like, that's just such a good one. Such a heavy
0: such one. So, Well, the final realm. Yeah. Hell realm. Oh, oh. The lowest realm. Complete fixation and painful relationship to things. Mm. Can't get out of it. And, uh, <clears throat> it's um, got the hot hells and the cold hells. So the hot one is like anger and rage, and the cold one is depression, mm. interdirected. So that's where you're completely stuck. Very hard to work with somebody like that. In a hell um, room. Yeah, very hard. Well, we you know, we've known people like
1: that in our lives, and, and it's hard to... I've heard different... This is one of the things that
0: actually can depress me. <laughs> You're going back the other way now. Ah. <laughs> that's really funny. That's like that scene in The Matrix where you know that... you know, the cat Oh, yeah, cat it's a deja vu. India, deja vu. He, oh, yeah. He, he turned around right at your house. That's funny.
1: That, that's just
0: how we know this is fake. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a gap. Um,
1: but the, the idea that sometimes you have to let go of, of somebody that isn't, quote-unquote, savable is, is a very mm-hmm. depressing idea. Yeah. Especially for somebody like me Like I said I like to connect things And yeah. try and save people And there's a lot of people That I'm just kind of like I don't know If I'm the person
0: To give you what you need I don't I don't know And that's a hard one Yeah Well that's another Great Trungpa Rinpoche phrase Idiot compassion Where you try to rescue people <laughs> and, But you don't really Know what they need You probably You could even be giving them The exact opposite Of what they need Yeah and yet you march on <coughs> because you are uncomfortable with th- that feeling. So that's the idiot part. Mm. You mean to be compassionate, but you're not, and you don't have the skillful means in that mm-hmm. situation. So that's why we also say in Buddhism sometimes there's ruthless compassion, a tough love kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And if idi- an include that, you're, you're the idiot. idiot. You're the idiot. <laughs> the other person
1: is whether they are or not. You don't even know. Well, let's let's talk about uh, meditation. This this seems like a good. Uh, uh, wrap-up thing, because that is your expertise. Why meditate? What, what's
0: going on there? <laughs> yeah. I ask you, and I'm like, let's yeah. wrap up, and I ask you... No, the, that's really good, because... The know, question of your career. Since since I am ostensibly a meditation teacher, a lot of people ask that question. <clears throat> and there's different levels of answering it. The first one is because, and this is the popular one in the West now, and so when I, I'm working a lot with um, consulting with fitness companies and corporate companies that want to introduce meditation, they don't want the gap. They don't want the depth version of what we're talking about right away. They want the like is this going to be good for the game? Short term, yeah. Well, it's a long term thing too. Is it yeah. going to be good for my game? Yeah. Whatever your game is. Yeah. Okay? They've discovered that it's good for sports. Mm-hmm. So the Seahawks, the you know, Seattle Seahawks, the Knicks, they have meditation programs. Why? Because it's going to be good for the game. What does it actually end up doing? It's pe- making the players more sensitive to others, uh, making them more mindful. Mm-hmm. You know, so, but that is good for the game. Um, so there's a lot of neuroscience that's backing this up. So in the West, because people want results, you can say it does have good results. <laughs> Mindfulness meditation has good results. It's been, it's been demonstrated. Mm. And in the traditional liturgy, they would say it, makes, it develops clarity and stability and strength in the mind. Why? Because you're practicing focusing. What have you been practicing up to that point? being distracted?
2: Mm. <laughs> now
0: you're shifting your practice towards being focusing on one point, which is what mindfulness means. Mm. You, you, you bring your mind back to one, one point of attention. So that develops a certain inherent strength that develops a feeling of like not being taken out to see by every thought that you have, you know, a mm-hmm. chain of thoughts that you have, and also um, not being so influenced by the highs and lows. Mm. You know, you're more stable. So those are the traditional benefits. In, in modern neuroscience, they say it, it actually shrinks the amygdala. It increases the size of the neocortex. It changes the relationship of those two. Hmm. So you become less reactive would be a safe, easy way to say it. So those are very good reasons why to practice um, awareness or mindfulness type of practices. Hmm. They're good for your body. They're good for your brain. They're good for your mind. They're good for your life.
1: Are you into that whole finding out who you really are thing that people say a lot?
0: Well, then that's another... If you're saying it's good for your game, it means your game's established. (coughs) You're not looking at your game, and you're not necessarily looking at yourself, Mm. who's playing the game. So the deeper meditative traditions will take you back to finding out more about who you are. Maybe you need to change your game. How Mm. about that idea? That's not something they're selling in the West right now. (laughs) Maybe you're not in a good game. I have, I have a stockbroker who's a meditation student. Maybe you're not in a good game. He's not in a good game for him. It's causing uh. him a lot of stress. He's made enough money already. He can't, mm. he can't quit. Mm. So the meditation might take him to the point of saying, like, you know what? I need to change. You know, this is not feeling good. You move more into the realm of feeling mm. and emotional things and stuff. And so it can go deeper and deeper. Um, but hopefully, it's more and more freeing from. Obscurations or habitual patterns that are just not serving you. Mm-hmm. They're not serving you. That's what Buddha did. He was a physician. He was a kind of a healer mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, let me take you on my trip. Let me First noble truth, truth of suffering. What's going on? Where does it hurt? Yeah. Like a doctor. You go to a doctor, you don't say, I'm looking good. Aren't I? You don't want the doctor to look at you. Yeah. Here's a perfect analogy. You don't want the doctor to look at you and say, man, you really get it. <laughs> You're killing it. Right? Your body is humming like a. Right. You want them to help you. A hummingbird, man. Yeah. You want to say, you know, my fucking back is killing me. And the doctor goes, okay, why don't we try this? Yeah. So there's a lot of, when you do talk to a teacher, if you can get over that initial magnetizing thing, you go, I could really learn something here. Mm. And then, so who do you think we are? I guess that's an interesting. same question as the other conversation who's going to die right that might have
1: been what depressed me I'm not sure
0: yeah (laughs) okay because you said what happens when we die and I said we don't die right you die I die KD dies yeah so it might be different what happens yeah (laughs) so (laughs) same question is who am I it's not a who are we question it's who am I it's a better better uh, angle in because you might figure out who are we all in the same stroke, you know. But it's it may be questions like thirty degrees off of point. You know, mm. Who am I? Well, who do you think you are? Right now, I'm somebody who loves you. <laughs>
1: That's a good answer. Well I, I, I'm always validating people because I want to be validated. But thank you, I guess I yeah. should say.
0: <laughs> That's a good answer. And another thing, you know famous chunk first thought best thought mm. SATs too Who, that, that was
1: an SAT rule first thought best thought when, when, when you're uh, answering With a, a, little a multiple test questions? it because
0: if you thought it was C and then you're like maybe it's D they're like first thought best thought yeah it can be tricky if you didn't know what you're talking about in the first place <laughs> <laughs> some hippie yeah.
1: SAT tutor probably made that wow.
0: popular yeah, I wonder if that, if, if that would mean a Zen master would get 800 on his SATs even if he didn't speak the language. <laughs> yeah, first off, I thought... <laughs> you just look at it and go... Mm-hmm, he's got mm-hmm. it. Are you afraid of dying? Well, you know, that's a, a good question, and I'm older than I used to be. <laughs> and now I'm you're 67. older than that. Yeah. And so I think, and I have friends, a lot of friends who are my age, and I have a lot of friends who are your age, and, you know all in between but what what I say is at 60 this is my experience the warranty is up that's what I call it you can't return yourself you <laughs> can't just turn it in and say give me a new although 50 years from now I'm not sure that's going to be true yeah I know. You know that's a whole nother conversation it's for crazy. another time But but right now I go okay well is this the th- is this just a, you know like a car is this a p- the piece of the fender falling off, or is this like actually the engine is uh you know not doing well? yeah, so like anybody else, I've explored ways to stay relatively healthy, but I'm not exploring any way to stay permanently healthy that I'm aware of mm. because I think this is just part of, of the reality of the situation, so I do look if I have a like I had a pain in my chest two nights ago. And I'm lying there in the bed. I'm going, is this it? Am I, are they going to be taking me to the hospital right now? Mm. Am I going to go, oh, guess what? It's not going away. It's increasing. Because I've had friends who have had heart attacks. Yeah. A lot younger than me. Mm. And what it was was indigestion. Yeah. No doubt. <laughs> but you go. You think you go down the road a little ways. And I think um, there's a weird thing I'd have to say. I don't think I'm afraid of the dyingness, but the inconvenience and the kind of decrepitation of the whole process. Like, the process. Well, watching R.D., you know, is, is just very moving for me, because I don't see him as separate from me in that way. I say, he's just, he's mapping out the road a little further ahead for a lot of us.
2: Mm.
0: We'll be in a wheelchair. We'll have had a stroke. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll be um, dribbling, mm-hmm. you know. We'll, we'll be, um, you know, trying to find the word or remember a, a thing. So I I don't feel like it's... it's and then, of course, the death experience—if you really zero in it—it's not being able to breathe. Mm. I've seen enough people die. You—you you die when you can't breathe. You mm. drown. Mm. That's what happens. Mm. Some something can take your body out, but the final thing is you can't get the next breath. Mm-hmm. And that's a very claustrophobic thought. Mm-hmm. I get that when I'm high sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> panic attack. Can't breathe. Yeah. So the instructions that we have for dying is don't panic. Hmm. I think I would try to just kind of, if I thought it was happening now. But in between, I think is where a lot of the the anxiety is—just hmm. getting old, forgetting what you're talking about, being disregarded, you know, mm-hmm. just having any of those kind of things.
1: That's the Tuesdays with Maury of Ram Dass. Remember that book? It's about the, its just about a guy aging, and this guy goes and visits him every week, and a very lovely story about a guy not being ashamed of yeah. his aging. And here's Ram Dass, my hero. I've never had a hero with the right side of his body paralyzed, you know, what I mean? or, mm. or however it is, or, or, uh, you know, who's, who's dying, you know, for life for of,
2: you. That's good.
1: You know what I'm saying? It is yeah. good for us. Yeah. So we're sitting here and I'm used to having heroes that are well-dressed and moonwalking, you know, yeah, what you mean? Sure. and then here's a guy and I'm like, he's being wheeled around. Uh, but then he waved goodbye to me and I, and I, and, and, and it's not, the association with who he is—it's just that moment. I'm like, "Oh, what a, This is awesome!" It's like Mickey Mantle, or right. You know what I mean? I'm like, "That's good." And it's—it's it's, I, here. I am saying something everybody says, but it is a shame
0: that we do disregard these. Well, it's well, a cultural thing. We, we we're not comfortable. Other cultures have been much more comfortable with this process of decay and yeah. permanence. We we need to be, uh, we need to have that changed. Yeah, and, and so it's good to be around people in that you know it's um it's good to see people die so you get some why why have you yeah that stood out why have you seen people die because friends of mine died yeah my parents died but it sounded like you were there have you been Uh, i i I have to think about that for a minute yeah at the exact you know i don't think i've been there at the exact moment but like shortly thereafter Mm. and all the way up to it but yeah, there's that one moment where it's like, and people describe it different ways, you know, and depending on how the person goes through that experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's a wearing away, unless somebody has sudden death. Mm-hmm. There's a wearing away of their need to live or their will to live.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's a natural, It's almost like you know, a spider anesthetizes you before people mm-hmm. get. They sink into it. Mm-hmm. So the flip side of that, there's two sides. Is one is how to be not resistant to that kind of disappointment, mm. allow that to marinate with the rest of your uplifted experience, you know. And the, the the flip side is being looking, and this is part of my personal path, looking at health. You know, I study qigong. I, I, you know, I do I do have a sense of like, well, wait a minute, who says? Like, for example, I'm 67. My father died at 68, mm. riddled. Um, with Parkinson's you have to Is that you know maybe that's your karma maybe it's not Mm. I don't say it's bad karma because if that happens to me I don't want anybody saying oh you have bad karma (laughs) fuck you You (laughs) but you know learning more about the body level of uh, energetic level of our existence and maybe um, not buying into a whole bunch of preconceived ideas of what's possible
1: well you guys are doing great I said this to Katie but mm. both of you look at 15 years younger than than wow. you are I'm shocked at how uh, your age You're your age number mm. so good good on you mm. but I guess for you last death question and then and then we can uh, die then we can go die. we can flick <laughs> this conversation <laughs> but um for you, yeah. you're passing. You, your last breath. Do you think it's some sort
0: of other place? I, that might be the wrong question, but it is something that's interesting. Well, and you. I've studied it. It's part of the Buddhist teachings. Is what exactly happens as you die? Mm. It's really part of it. Mm. What happens as you die? What happens after you die? The Bardo of it all. Yeah, but those are real teachings. Those are yeah. the People hold those teachings. So. And what do you think? Well, and I'm influenced by that. Yeah. Of course, at this point they're they're somewhat theoretical, but but. The link is how you connect them to your current experience. And that's not theoretical. Like what is holding you together right now in the sense of having a sort of defined, solid... Mm. That's interesting. ...is what's being attacked by those teachings also. Bardo is happening right now. Like when that guy floated by, yeah. right? and your mind went to that, or when your mind went to the lizard on the rail, <clears throat> where was Pete? Because I was all there. You're all, for
1: that moment, yeah. it's a glimpse of something. Yeah. That's Bardo. Well, when I asked you if I had ever left my body, if you had ever left your body, you right. said, you have to, every time you dream or whatever. Sure. I'm like, where,
0: where were you when you were dreaming? Yeah, and also every time you take a piss. <laughs> yeah, somewhere <laughs> Part else. Of you is leaving your body. <laughs> for sure. I'm thinking about it. Things are going through your body. Yeah. I
1: also, the you know, if you ask a, uh, a physicist about death, he's just like, you're still there. You're just... Far less organized. I like that quote. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's an amazing.
0: Who said that?
1: I don't know. I saw it on Facebook. Wow. <laughs> you're, you're there. You're just a lot less organized. Yeah, yeah. Far less organized. I believe the article's called Why You Want a Quantum Physicist at Your Funeral. What you a great article. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> you're there. You're just less organized. So uh, you've been spread around and you're still around. But uh, I guess that brings me back. You were just saying the Bardo's happening now, but you go and and you begin into some sort of other realm, or... Well... You don't seem like a lights-out guy, dead over. I'm not a lights-out guy. Yeah. The light is on.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: The whole light.
0: The all light is on. Yeah. I mean, look around. The light's on. Yeah, we're... You know, so, uh, and and it's not bad being an optimist. It has nothing to do with that. It's just feeling the energy around you. Mm. So, so the, the specific teachings are that the death process should be dealt with in an honest and straightforward way. You shouldn't lie to people if they're dying or they're sick. Mm. You're, you're dying now. You actually, there's reading. You say you, you're dying now. You're going to be leaving these friends and these people. Don't, don't grasp onto what you have here. Don't grasp onto your money. Don't grasp onto that house that you love so much. Just kind of let it flick it. Let it go. Mm-hmm. And see if you can rest in that space that opens up. Mm. That's the that's the dying instruction. Now you also may see things or experience things that might be frightening to you. Don't panic. Those are projections of your own state of mind. Mm. So that's good advice for right now. <laughs> like let's say somebody's in a psychotic state right now. They think people are coming to kill them. If mm. they had that instruction, they really could could practice it. They go, "That's projections of my mind." Mm. And so a, lo- a huge layer of our experience is projections of our own mind. Mm. I'm not going to say it's every. You know that there's nothing substantial in what's happening around you, but really, if you think about it, we're watching through filters, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's the advice. Is the same advice for living? Mm -hmm. Try to try to see through those filters a little bit. Try to relax. Don't be afraid of of what's happening. Don't judge it. Don't value it. Just kind of go with it. And many people have passed that way and been (gasps) not freaked out. And presumably, reincarnation style, you've died many times before. Well that's where the you you see I say in our tradition you, you look at the you that's making that claim. Mm. The you doesn't exist. So ego death. Ego is the sense that you have a solid continuous permanent existence. Right? That's a good way of defining ego. It's a it's a it's a delusion, right? E, from Buddhist point of view you don't get rid of the ego. It's delusional to begin with. Mm. Like if 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 you said I have an imaginary friend here. Right? And you're serving them coffee and you know, we don't have to get rid of your imaginary friend. Right. I just had to get you to see that it's not really there. Right, right, right.
1: <laughs> so that sense, but your idea of who David is,
0: and your yeah, love Dave, of music, yeah, and your experience yeah, with your yeah, guru. Yeah, I, I would. Am I going to miss David, is really what you're asking me. Does the hard drive get wiped, is what I'm asking. The, the computer. Well, no, wiped. not according to, according to the teachings, the, the hard drive, the hardware is demolished. And changes rapidly, you know. And if you see people die, their body changes pretty rapidly. Mm. They become cold, uh, you know. The skin t- changes, and then gradually it would just decay. If you just left it out there, it would just decay, like mm-hmm. like an animal. But the software has some continuity, mm. in the form of um, consciousness is not considered completely dependent on the physical body, mm. and it's not now, like because we said, like if you're dreaming. Your consciousness is not dependent on what your physical body is doing. The mind is having its own little arena. Mm-hmm. So where is that? I'll wait till the scientists explain that one. The the origin of consciousness yeah. in the mind. It's, 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 it doesn't have an origin. Right. That's that's what they'll have to come up with because if they find the origin of it, it's not a. Obviously, there's some level where the brain is firing stuff off, but um, you know, and there's that's a whole other conversation. I'm into science and tech in a big way, what, how this is all going to intersect, but I'm not going to touch it. Uh, so so dying is something that we contemplate. I think that's the best uh, advice. Mm-hmm. Even as a young man like yourself, contemplate it. Think about it, the implication of it.
2: Well, a
1: lot of people were talking about in India where they burn all the bodies and, and the experience that people have facing death and then their own death, seeing something. Sure. So, and India is just known for that in general—dead bodies everywhere, and wow. cities where people are going to beg for the money for the pyre to get cremated and stuff. Wow. And whereas we're we have nursing homes and we put them over there and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's very interesting and a good and a good way. We again we could we we've talked for two hours, <laughs> uh,
0: but you know I have to. I we haven't even <clears throat> really covered our joint, uh, you know, love fascination. You got to be kidding me! Relationship to the entertainment industry. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> Which I love. I love that part. Yeah, It's a whole other world. Well, there's there's several more conversations in us. Yeah.
1: But uh, are, are you happy ending here? I'm happy I like.
0: <laughs> I think that the last part is for me. Those worlds are coming together. A lot of creative projects I'm doing. Yeah. Some way reflects some of the kinds of things we're talking about, in not in a like pedantic way, but yeah. Like, You know, I'm writing a a musical that's sort of about the life of the Buddha that's a bluegrass musical. Oh, fun. You know, I I like to create things that just merge without being pedantic. That's the trick. Pedantic sucks. That's not good.
1: Well, you just did a podcast that's for comedy fans. That's a good merge right there. I love it. It's an unlikely uh, treat. Um... And I really appreciate you, man. I love you very dearly. Thank you. And it Thank was you. great. I sat down at your table. Yeah. Everyone cleared out. Yeah. We talked for three hours, and now we've had two podcasts and a lot of fun. Yeah. And I hope I hope that can continue on. Me too. It absolutely yeah. will. All right. Uh, so would you mind saying, I know you already did, but keep it crispy just makes it feel done. You say it.
0: Keep it crispy just makes it feel done. <laughs> <laughs> You salty dog. Let's give, let's give a good, let me give you a good clean tip. Oh, sure. Keep it crispy.
1: Very good. You've been in a recording studio. Thank you, man.
2: Now leaving Nerdist.com.